when does he get it? He doesn't. Why not? Because he broke the rules. What rules? We didn't see any rules, did we, Charlie? Wrong, sir, wrong. Wrong, sir, wrong. Wrong, sir, wrong. Wrong, sir, wrong. You lose a contract signed by him. You get washed. You get terrorized. You get nothing. Coming to you once again from the uncomfortable confines of my own dining room, this is Craig. And with another episode of Aged and Confused that I present to you, this is my gift to the world. And with me, I have two other wise men to present uh, this this frankincense and myrrh. James, Mark, in that order, please say hello. Oh, this is James. Hello from Chicago. Good evening, everybody. It's Marcus. Sorry, people. Had to take a drink. I am having a drink tonight because, God damn it, I deserve it. I've had a very accomplished day. I've uh, been doing manly, sweaty, greasy things um, that aren't <clears throat> happening in San Francisco. So we'll get to that on another show, though, because this one, this one is going to be a very special and long overdue tale. Mm-hmm. And uh, this tale that we're going to go into tonight is going to be the story of... Of hard case, uh, which is the narrative about the band that Marcus, myself, James, and Thomas were in together, um, and kind of the buildup of that, um, little side, um, you know, snippets of what happened along the way, and you know, funny, uh, funny little quirks and nuances, and you know how everything gelled and how everything fell apart. So, guys, are you excited about this? Totally. Totally. It's, it's like you said, long overdue. And I'd really like to start. I think we should start at the beginning. I didn't know. I think we're kind of flying by the seat of our pants on this one, but Lord Jesus. Uh, Absolutely. I think we start at the beginning and see, see what unravels. Mark? Yeah, I'm fine with that. I think it probably, that probably goes to me then. Um, and we've talked about yes, sir. bits and pieces of this on the various, if you go way back in the archives, on the various books that we did on some of the members. But fundamentally, it starts as simple as I was working at Wendy's going to college. Uh, some guy started working there and said, my bro- brother plays drums. And we kind of just started getting together on off days and free time. And we'd just go out in the middle of nowhere and just make a bunch of noise and drink beer and play covers and jam and whatever and that's kind of the where it all kind of began it was as simple as some free time on a saturday afternoon or something like that and then this there was just is, kind of a chemistry yeah go ahead well i was gonna say this is back in uh, let's give people context for where we're talking about because all of the, the epicenter of all of this started um at least for us uh as a group started in murfreesboro tennessee which is a, essentially now a suburb of nashville just south right Right. And it was, what, 90... Oh, God, 93? Four, 93. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. probably about right. Um, but just to kind of smooth over some of that stuff, <clears throat> get us up to speed, there was a bit of a chemistry between me and Thomas, uh, musically, uh, creatively, if you will, and we decided, let's see if we can put some more people together. Because some of the other people who'd show up from Wendy's, they could bang a little bit, but they were... Uh, and I'm not patting myself on the back. They just weren't as good a player <laughs> as Thomas and I were. Um, 
so we wanted to kind of stretch out maybe find some other members who were better or as good as us kind of deal and right just pursue this a little bit who knew that wendy's would be a nexus of artists that's that's kind of i i never knew that there were other people from wendy's that would come in and be like, hey man let, let me let me throw down some licks well what i meant was they'd come to the the jam sessions to hang out and make i call this and, one spicy chicken and so and again oh that's cool just try to move this along a little bit as as we discussed in the various books we put up a flyer on the campus of middle tennessee state university um and james was one to answer um, we met, we hooked up, we jammed out at this carport studio covered in carpet and mold and asbestos and whatever else was there. <laughs> but we could asbestos. make a whole lot of noise and not really bother anybody. And then I got to know what your first impressions of James were and um, and what your uh, what thoughts went through your head once you heard him start playing bass guitar as well? Well, I, all right. So I guess I was your prototypical '80s hair metal, whatever you want to call it. I would long hair, leather jacket, jeans that are tighter than they should be, um, <laughs> that kind of a vibe. Thomas was, I just Thomas. He still had some <laughs> hair back then. Thomas was <laughs> Thomas was the may best may compliment ever. <laughs> He didn't have a thing. He just had, is it clean or not? Kind no, of it, was, it was total meritocracy Like with this guy. I, it wasn't I, even showmanship. It was just like he was uh, uh, he was that drummer from Led Zeppelin. Like he, he was just a banger, man, and I, I love that passion about him. And I think that we called him Otis That's more true. than That's Thomas true. That's back true. then. Yeah. If I recall, it, it was Otis, yeah. He definitely went by Otis P and all kind of other iterations. And in that studio, I mean, he was such a heavy hitter that James and I would kind of jockey who could stand the furthest away because bits <laughs> and true. pieces of drumsticks would come <laughs> flying at you. Well, that's the thing, because I, at that point, was in the um, the record, re- Out recording of anger, right? industry, industry, and we were, like, really protective of our ears. But it was so oh, yeah. loud. It was so loud. I would I would stick anything in my ears to to attenuate the sound. Um, but I just I and enjoyed to hear his, the cymbal wash. Yeah, but but he had so much passion and and energy and enthusiasm. It was I, I think that that's what that's what hooked me more than anything. And I'm sure it's another question for you know uh, later down the the, the the avenue that we're going. But um, he was he was a, a slammer for sure. And, and and again, to paint more of the picture, this was a time in all of our lives, I would assume, Thomas rarely, if ever, had a brand new set of drumsticks. It was some kind of graveyard sitting mm-hmm. behind the throne of his set there. <laughs> That's right. And he'd be reaching in the middle of a song for something else <laughs> to hit something with. and um, Yeah, stick with break or something know, like that. He didn't have he, a lot of disposable he, he, income. He'd miss a hi-hat or miss a snare, and I'd look over immediately. <laughs> he's... he's the, He's doubled over. He's still got the kick going. The hi hat still snapping, he's and he's reaching for another <laughs> stick. Yeah, the salad salad days of hard case, man. Good yeah, Lord. yeah. So, but I mean, <clears throat> so James showed up, and we've made me we've made mention. So I'm Metallica T-shirt. I don't know some kind of crap like that. And James showed up in like khakis. Um, <laughs> uh, 
an undershirt and a pressed long sleeve shirt. Um, but it didn't really matter. Can the son of a gun play bass? That's what we were going for. And the first time we just kind of made mm-hmm. some noise. James, I don't know if we did anything more than maybe a one four five blues progression or something. I don't know what we were yeah, doing. Yeah, I don't think we had much prepped. We we might have we might have chatted on the phone about hey, you know any Led Zeppelin or some something and but most of that stuff's one four five anyway, so we were just like right. hey, let's just see if I if I can be in the same room with these motherfuckers. Right uh, for for more than thirty minutes, and then we'll we'll kind of go go from there. later. Later, the answer to that question was no. Right. But. Well, uh, no, but no. There 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 was a pretty, I think, an, a pretty instant uh, chemistry. Um, I, I, you know, mm-hmm. like my current philosophy um, in in finding a gig um, is not how much I'm getting paid, but if I like who I'm working with. Because uh, I'm so much more productive if if I like the people I'm working with and I know that they're talented or I can uh, motivate or encourage them or they can encourage me and push me uh, in certain ways. So um, at that point, I hadn't played bass or guitar in probably a year or so because I left all my, my music stuff back home because I wanted to... Wow, so you so you wandered into the first rehe- rehearsal like a year oh, cold. I was I was definitely uh, uh, sending off the dust. Uh, the rust was still wow. coming off, um, but I couldn't I couldn't I could not deny the the draw to to play music. Um, so after organic chemistry kicked my ass, I was like, okay, I definitely don't belong there. Uh, this is my path. So I went into recording industry management and uh, saw the uh, saw the saw the sign, and I was I, I immediately went home, did some laundry, grabbed all my music stuff, which was not a lot, and uh, I brought it up to MTSU, and um, got in with uh, with Mark and Tom, and that, that it. I mean, <laughs> honestly. That little post changed the direction of my life. I mean, we wouldn't be talking here if, yeah. if they hadn't put that put that shit up. Yeah, I mean, so I know you're that saying sounds. I owe you an apology. It sounds a li- <laughs> How dare you, <laughs> you jerk! <laughs> uh, oh, shit. Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I don't. Was, uh, Dickhole torpedo yeah, launch. I don't mean to sound melodramatic here, but truly, I mean, it's those little things in your life that 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 sort of make you in, navigate you whether it's you know it's it's internally or externally these factors uh give you a path and it led us to um to some of the other things that we're going to talk about uh later on but also to Jesus we're we're talking in three different states across America um doing podcasts and uh, we wouldn't be doing that if Mark hadn't put up uh, Who would have yeah. thought? Uh, that is nutso. It's really, really crazy. And especially I, and if you I'm, consider... I'm, I was going to say, especially if you consider that in this little... It was literally a cinder-blocked-up carport that they had hung carpet on the walls or ceilings and maybe both. He had a Fostex four-track cassette recorder. <laughs> and... 
now we're doing this from three different states. Um, we've even done, done it multinationally. Um, That's correct. But just to kind of get back <clears throat> yeah. to get back into the story a little bit, kind of kind of speeding through this because we've kind of covered it in the past and where we discussed where we wanted to kind of go with this tonight. It, we felt pretty good about the three piece that we had going, but. James and I aren't very good singers. I think we'll both admit that from a specific gig that we played. At How dare you? House. How dare you? Um, so we had <laughs> we had met with a couple of different singers, and um, one of them we've talked about was Butterboy. It's not that he wasn't a good singer. I think it was just mm-hmm. creative differences. Oh um, man, that guy was in a way different direction. Yeah, the, <clears throat> he yeah. he was he was his own thing, and and he kind of became his own thing. Let's 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 be clear. So he. He didn't need a. He didn't need yeah. us. Uh, no. He needed. A, he needed a. He needed a band. So and and we were kind of our own thing. So it, it, exactly two different directions. Exactly like you said. So that led us to well, screw this. Let's do it again. So we put up another flyer in the cafeteria at MTSU, and um, then I got a call from Craig. Our, our illustrious host here. Um, Craig, refresh my memory because I'm an old man. I think we talked on the phone once or maybe twice, but I was pretty anxious to meet face-to-face. Yeah, um, it moved pretty quick. Uh, we we You had me over to yours and your wife's apartment. Well, she was your girlfriend right, right. then. And uh, I remember... I I... I for some reason, I think that we may have even done a little bit of the songwriting outside that night for whatever reason. Uh, just kind of noodling on a guitar, and and this was this was an awkward thing for me because I had I had sang like high school choir, like real proper Latin type shit, uh, and I had done just a a smidgen of songwriting. Uh, in my college years at A&M prior to going over uh, to MTSU and moving there to Murfreesboro. So this wasn't exactly a comfort zone for me by any stretch. And all of a sudden, I'm there with a guitarist, and um, none of us, neither of us came in with any kind of idea of what to do. Neither of us had worked with each other before. We didn't, you know, we didn't even know each other personally. So we were faced with the task of not only getting to feel each other out as human beings, but getting to feel each other out musically as well. Um, and so I, and here's another rookie mistake. I, I don't think I showed up with lyrics. I think I just came there thinking, well, we'll see what happens. And so uh, Marcus started uh, strumming around and I started uh uh, you know, writing down some thoughts in my head and, and just, um, you know, humming along uh, melodies that were coming to me. Uh, I remember at one point, Mark turned to me as I was kind of struggling, and he goes, well, wh- what are you trying to say? Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let me interrupt for just a second. And, uh, Sounds like a Steven, Steven Tyler yeah, moment yeah, go ahead. in uh, Aerosmith. Where you, where you where you came to was in Nashville. I had moved from Murfreesboro at this point to Nashville, and I was working yep. at Polygram Music. I wasn't doing a whole lot of glorified anything, 
but I had seen this process with songwriters before where you don't know each other. It doesn't matter if you're talented, you get together and you knock out some ideas and you bounce things back and forth, not peeing, drinking. Um, so that may have been, I, I don't remember being uncomfortable at all. I remember I had a small traffic accident, uh, trying to get to my apartment to meet you. Um, Right. But other than that, I do. I thought you came in with some lyrical ideas, but I could be mistaken on that. But I do remember just yeah, kind of strumming I some stuff I, and playing some licks and noodles and what do you like, you like, you don't like, and that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Did anything flesh out from that? Were there any song ideas that, that actually galvanized or, or actually came to fruition yes. from that? Yes. What was it? I don't know. I have recollection in I'm I'm the old man of the group here, but I remember it was either that time or the very next time we had completed our first song, which was no, it was it was that first night. It was that first it was night. That okay, first that's night. what I remember, but I'm willing to be wrong. It was. Yep. What did did, did the song get recorded? Did we did we record that song? Yeah, uh, there is. We can listen to a snippet of it here. Uh, the song was titled "Some May Say That I'm Blind." It. I would look. I'll be honest, people. Not our strongest work. Um, so I'm almost, I'm almost a little bit f- afraid to lead in with this song. But yet to understand, you know, yet to keep in mind, this was in the infancy. This was the the very, very first, first one. Um, and I think, I think we can even, yeah, I, yeah, the the very I really first think we meetup. Can even tease that there are some really uh, special. There's some really special songs that come up later on. Uh, and we're going to talk about those and the instrumentation and the the genesis of those songs are incredible. And and I hope you you stay tuned for those. So uh, let's let's listen to a bit of uh, some may say that I'm blind. All right, here we go. All the times I've had burning bridges, good and bad. Never know how much you got. All right, so that gives you a little taste there. And uh, folks, just to give you a peek behind the curtain, we're kind of, um, recording-wise, we're just doing kind of little 30-second gaps here, so I'll apologize now if it cuts off right as a song is starting to get interesting, or maybe it never gets interesting <laughs> at all. Um, but we'll we'll play around with those samples. You may hear some that fade in uh, closer to a middle or a bridge or something. They're not all going to start from the beginning, but... We just want to give you a taste of the different uh, tunes that we're talking about to help paint the and picture. I, and I guarantee uh, so you that can... on the, the, the outro of this of this entire show is going to be something really special. Uh, so so stay tuned for that. Um, it's going to be something really interesting. Uh, you're going to want to stay tuned for that. So um, that's that's my Jimmy Fallon um, uh, <laughs> quote unquote the, 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 the cast. This, this is a surprise to me. So now I'm excited. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, well and I, I'll tell you guys exclusive this. Exclusive footage. Yeah. I guess I'm, in a, in a way, uh, an archivist of Hard Case. I'm yes, waiting you on are. grant and funding for the museum. Um, <laughs> so I have copies of, like, all the I lyric sheets. I have a feeling we're going to have to fund that ourselves. Yeah, yeah Mark, it's you probably going to meet every had, Wednesday. You had, some, we, you had some blips earlier that were just amazing and blowing my mind because I didn't know they existed. 
and you were pulling this stuff out. So um, can yep. we can we pepper the podcast with some of that some of that gold? Well, I was... we we actually have a pretty extensive catalog. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when when we look back at it, um, Mark, you and I were songwriting machines. Yeah. We we were just fools on this yeah, stuff, absolutely. and uh, it's like militantly meeting every week, at least once, maybe more, just to write music. And like any other skill, if you practice at it. Hey, I like to think that we got better with it, too. Oh, I, I, this this um, so was it, number one. The absolute first time we we met, we, right. we started from A and we got to Z uh, in one sit-down. Nice. Uh, so oh, and I'm a big proponent. I've said it before that you've got to get my philosophy on writing songs is you got to get the bad ones kind of out of the way and keep perfecting your craft. Yeah. Uh, your skill, whatever you want to call it. And then the good stuff starts coming. And I think we did accomplish that throughout our time. But I remember getting together on like Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you and I would flesh something out. And then usually on a Saturday, we'd get together mm -hmm. with uh, James and said drummer, and we'd kind of start fleshing it out. You know, um, just to try to paint the picture for our listeners who may not have had a similar life experience, I want you to imagine like you're in your college years and you're already meeting new people and suddenly you decide that you're going to be a musician, a musician that actually performs. There is an excitement to that. There is um, this this energy that percolates whenever you're you're going through this process of of meeting up and writing songs and rehearsing and then holy shit, you know, we've got gigs, we've got clubs that we're playing out at kind of thing. It was a really cool, really special time, um, but th there was a lot of work involved with that too. Now, I'm trying to remember, and maybe maybe you guys can help me, the first time that I was introduced to the rest of the guys, uh, Otis and James at James, Mark, do either of you recall, like, what, was that a, a session over at Acuff Rose? When was the first time that we actually got together and played? That's a question for Mark. I, I really don't remember. I don't. Going to the elephant. I don't remember. Did you? Let me ask you this. Did you sing on a three-song where we did like what you're doing uh no hard case bladed way oh, what's your word you mean we we recorded three song ep whatever you want to call it so we could kind of submit our press kit to to clubs to get gigs that was a cuff do you remember yeah, where you so sang I, that? it had yeah, to have been was, a cuff okay. rose that was the only place that we yeah. recorded yeah well, okay um in that tiny tiny little studio the size of a shoebox it was small but i mean we also did recordings over at polygram but i think it did yeah i think uh, that, that was with mark uh, butterboy oh jesus man <clears throat> i hate getting old and I know that because I Dad, have pictures. Don't confuse from, me with the other talent. I, I, I have pictures I, I, from when we were <laughs> we recorded that at Champagne Studios, and we did covers. We did like "What You're Doing" and "Working Man." And yeah, I was. I don't remember. I was definitely never at Champagne Studios, okay. but um, <laughs> it, but folks, we did get together. Marcus had the benefit. Uh, he was working over at Acuff Rose, which was a publishing company there on Music Row in Nashville. 
Uh, and they had this little studio kind of in the corner of the building. And Mark just had kind of free access to it. And so we would get there and not only play, but, you know, try to record some things. And it, shit, none of us, Mark included, who's now kind of the guru of mastering these days, were very talented <laughs> easy, on easy, the boards easy, uh, easy. back then. <laughs> so it was fun. There was a lot of synergy there. I remember whenever I first met James and Otis, they Otis. were... They were very powerful characters, you know, in the in the book that was being written about this Dude, new phase of so my life. I mean, you, you, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, no, I mean, James was this, you know, very <laughs> intense, you know, focused. Uh, you got a picture like he's what six foot two or something, right, yeah, James? Yeah. Uh, towering, lean, you know, uh, bass player. And then Thomas is this short, sturdy, uh, you know, total redneck southern <laughs> Dwarven. guy. <laughs> Dwarven fighter with from D&D. With glasses who just beats the drums like they owe him money. I mean, it was it was really neat. And then you had Marcus, like you said, the, the um, you know, prototypical 80s long hair leather jacket you know just just ripping on the guitar and then i'm i'm just trying to find my place uh during all that and so we we developed kind of a formula where mark and i like he said we would be songwriting and we would bring our you know in the early days kind of shit ideas um to the rest of the band and we would flesh them out but some of them actually weren't too bad in hindsight no, and, and the one I'm talking about, Mark, is Bladed Way. Yeah, and I, while you were talking, I was flipping to that lyric sheet. Um, and again, I was working in country. I grew up listening to Elvis and whatever the heck my my dad had, and developed my taste for the heavier shit. So I'm I'm an amalgamation of of stew of all kinds of different musical ideas. Um, but as we continued to hone our craft, it got to the point where. I got comfortable showing you ideas and I think you got comfortable bringing lyric ideas and that's where we started getting some of that kind of going on where we were able to start focusing right. on the craft um, and I think that helped. I kind of want to tease a little bit of a project that we're currently working on. We can talk about it more later because the studio at okay. Acuff Rosa we were working in, it was a demo studio, yeah it had a drum booth. It wasn't very big, it was kind of an afterthought. When, when they were building the building. Um, <laughs> yeah, it was like tell. Studio C but, at MTSU. Um, it was bigger than that, you son of a gun. Not a lot. Yeah, it was bigger yeah, than Studio C for Champagne sure. Champagne Studios. Well, that was a polygram. This was at ACUF. Um, uh, don't, but what don't, I found... Don't argue with me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> what I found was hard. <laughs> okay, Mark, please continue. <laughs> to no, me, I, that was Champagne Studios. To... I got to tell you, man, that guy... I had never oh, seen. Just, just ignore Heckle and Jekyll out in the audience. It was, it um, was awesome. It was awesome. What I found was difficult, as a songwriter, as a guitar player, as an engineer. It's hard to do all three, while we were trying to kind of record live and stuff like that. So I know that the demos aren't that good, and sometimes I think they're kind of hid as some of the songs are better than they actually sounded on some of these recordings. Yeah. 
But just kind of tease a little project. Well, and, and some of these, sure, and, and some of these recordings that you guys are going to hear, folks, the, uh, some of them were recorded live. Uh, and later on, we'll talk about the practice space that we had that had no climate control. Oh, Lord. Um, just basically rooms, concrete rooms, and we're trying to mix in there with a couple of mics aimed in different directions, but they're picking up everybody playing and me screaming and everything. So bear with us if some of these are more garage quality than others, but let's listen to a little bit of a bladed wave. of full disclosure, I think I'm fairly confident, and time will tell, that I'm going to mix that in a way to where the bridge is featured, because that is my favorite part of that song. I was going to quote the (laughs) lyrics from the bridge when we got back. Do it. Do it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. So the, the lyrics are, strange how you feel so peaceful under, joining all of men's great blunders. Sometimes it's worth it to slowly drown Sick, some may say, but you can't go down. Ah, just that's, that's just some deep shit, man. So, and for those for those kind of wondering, uh, I I'm pretty sure that I wrote most of the lyrics yeah. for our songs. Um, it, there may have been an occ- occasional tweak or something where Marcus goes, Hey, you know, maybe something different there. And usually I said, fuck off, Mark. These are my lyrics. You kind of did. Yeah. Um, <laughs> every once in a while I was flexible. Wow. I was, uh, you know, I got, I got better with age on that. I do have a little bit of a funny side story about that particular song. Actually, I'd love to hear it then. Okay. So around the time that we were in our early, you know, genesis of of Hardcase, which is the the band name that we decided to go with, and there's a little bit of a story behind that that I can that I can touch on too. Uh, but we, you know, we made this song "Bladed Wave," and and the rest of our songs were kind of similar to it. You know, I I had another one that was uh, called "Running Back to You." Yep, and. Kind of the the lyrics of it were almost like possessive stalkerish kind of thing. It was it was disturbing, and uh, most most of our songs the lyrics were were kind of dark. Uh, I, I don't know. I was, a, I was a brooding guy, I guess. So the <laughs> I remember that around this time, Mark and his wife got married, and so 
James and I were involved uh, in a little bit of a lesser capacity than we expected to be, but that's okay. And one of the questions that I brought up was, well, you know, are, are we going to play music? Are we going to play our, our music there? And <laughs> look, look, Mark, your wife stepped in like with a, a response to this. Oh, God. <laughs> and Mark's wife stepped in and explained why we would not be playing at their wedding. And uh, she goes, I don't really want songs about uh, salt and blood and everything being played at the day that we're committing our lives to each other. Oh, Lord God. And I had no response to that. <laughs> Mark, do you remember that at all? No, but it sounds about right. No, that she, uh, you know what? Not, not even remembering any of this, I totally think that she was absolutely right in that decision. <laughs> She was. Absolutely. She was absolutely no right. I mean, our songs would have just people would have been looking at each other, going, "What nope, the fuck?" No, nope. I, I just uh, throw on uh, some uh, Elton John on Spotify, let it go. You know, if there were Spotify, Spotify. <laughs> no. So, our early days. I I think a word that would be apt to describe us would be raw, both in the positive and the negative sense. Would you two agree with yes. that? Yeah, we took I wouldn't dispute that at all. Here's the thing. <laughs> we took influence from so many. All right. If I had, if, okay, I'm going to give you my top five and you can give me like a top three. Sure. Um, influences. And my top five oh, was good. Rush. Like, pro, you know, progressive rock, classic rock. It was and and two is Rush. Three was Rush. Four was Rush. Five was Yes. Like I I, I just wanted to play progressive rock. I just wanted to speed. I just wanted to play lead bass the whole time. That's all I wanted to do. I just wanted to shine because that's something I. That's the one thing I felt comfortable with. Um, I started out playing guitar, and and that was that was great. It was a lot of fun, but it, it just informed the the. The, the later years where I was playing bass and it was you know, R.E.M. and U2 and Rush and, and, and all these these crazy um, uh, prog rock bands. And then I met you guys and you guys were like, well, I'll, I'll let you talk about your influences. Can you, if you can give no, me a top I'm two or a I'm top curious three. to hear your yeah, assessment. I, 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 uh well, I want to hear your guess first, and then I'll go into who who was kind of molding, uh, you know, my direction back then. Mark, wham. Yeah. Okay. Great. That's that's a good start. Um, <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. That's maybe a top. I'm trying to remember because I think we've talked about this. <clears throat> oh yeah. Well, we're trying to inform the listeners. All right. So. So, so my my probably my bigger influence Aerosmith I was, gonna say, yeah. was big for Aerosmith me. Aerosmith comes to mind. Okay, all right. So, but but it was it, I wanted to be a little bit darker than Aerosmith, and that was that was before I really had an appreciation for a lot of the uh, you know Alice in Chains yeah. and and some of the artists that were just kind of coming out because I I showed up on the scene around the mid late nineties yep. with you guys. Well, a lot of these songs um, in the so file those guys were, were just starting to get out there. 94, 95, 96 range. Right. Right. 
Um, but you know, it, Aerosmith, uh, it was probably a little bit too early for typo negative, but a, a little bit of, of Metallica. I wanted to be heavy, but still melodic. And there weren't a whole lot of, um, there weren't a whole lot of influencers in that kind of little yeah. niche of music. No, I think, uh, 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 the, and the, the, are great, uh, represent, representations of, of where you were coming from. Cause if you listen to, right. But those guys were just starting to I hit their stride. I understand. So That's, we were, okay. So yeah, uh, Sorry, I guess I'm interrupting, and I apologize, but I want the listeners to know that you might have been on, like, a pioneer kind of, like, sort of pioneering a thing here along with and paralleling bands like or singers like Lane Staley and bands like Soundgarden where it was melodic, but it was kind of grungy. Um, uh, but kind of yeah. a little glam in there as well, you know, a little still panther <laughs> that hadn't been formed yet. Anyway, I'll I'll take that compliment like all day long. That, Absolutely, maybe, I'll take it all day long on your we- on their website. Like they kind of give you a, a little uh, uh, credit for influencing them. I don't know, perhaps you know, but it's an amalgamation. <laughs> Taught me everything right. I know. <laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but there there and you'll you'll hear in some of the songs that we bring up later on uh, uh, that uh, there there's some strong melodic uh, 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 forms that, that 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 come along that may be dark and also light but also um, uh, just like really kind of majestic and, and it co- goes just along with the the lyrics. And and the the fact that you guys well, put along with uh, that melody harmonies as well and and guitar <laughs> and 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 fundamental fundamental um, uh, you know the, the the drums and bass and all that stuff that goes along with it and some of that stuff is just I, I didn't appreciate until you know fifteen years later twenty years later. Until about five weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, well, we're talking about it now, and we're, it's going out on the interweb. So, I mean, fuck off. Be- better yeah. late than never. Hey, Craig, should we, uh, um, should we share the uh, secret no, I, I of a live that. performance <laughs> harmony cheat? What? Uh, sure, yeah. Wait a minute. So when we were playing live shows, and we'd get to the course or wherever there were harmonies, I would take over the lead <laughs> harmony vocal melody, oh, and Craig right. would sing uh-huh. high harmony. Cause, and I could because Marcus couldn't hit the no notes. Shit. No, I couldn't. That I was wanting to swing to. I couldn't hit your notes. <laughs> I didn't know but that. That was man. our cheat. I, I think we talked about it briefly um, a couple of a couple of like a, maybe a month ago, or a couple of weeks ago. I didn't know you got you. Got, I just I, I'm thinking about you guys working that out and you guys had a conversation about it and I wasn't part of that. And I think that's kind of cool. I, I I love that you guys just did like, Hey, let's, let's, when we were, when we were down at Skechers or wh- wherever it was, uh, that, that squeezer down. What's that? Squeezers. Squeezers. Yeah. Squeezers is the place yeah, you're talking God, about. I hate that place. But uh, just uh, um, man, I, like so, I, knowing, th- thinking, knowing now, uh, 
that you guys might have manipulated the 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 harmonies on that. That's really fucking cool. That's really cool. I didn't know that. The game is rigged. Uh, you know, one song comes to mind when it comes to the you know the the little switcheroo yeah. that we would pull, and uh, that song is Neon Dreams. Mark, do you remember oh, that yeah. song? Very very well. So Neon Dreams. It, it, what's funny? What, an amazing thing about music, people. An amazing thing about music is that the lyrics. Your your natural inclination is to personalize the lyrics and apply your own yeah, meaning yeah, to them. Yeah. Okay, and it can be completely different than how the artist intended the lyrics whenever they were writing sure. them. Now, one little thing about about Craig, and you may or may not have picked up uh, on it over the the past few years on the show. I was a very very early adopter of any kind of like technology networking. Uh, the internet, et cetera, et cetera. I, you know, I was running a BBS back, uh, you know, whenever I was in high school, uh, in college, I was getting on Unix machines and connecting via what was the internet back then. Uh, and then after that, that evolved, um, to where, you know, I was always connected in some way. And in the early, early days, you know, people connecting was not an easy thing. It wasn't something that happened very often. But it was still there. You just had to be smart, and you had to hunt for it. And that was always an environment that I was always very comfortable with. So Neon Dreams, if you listen to the lyrics for that, it's about a guy who is king of the digital domain. You know, and and his take on life is that, you know what? Uh, I can be whoever I want to be here. Oh, yeah. You know, I I can be a god. Women adore me. Uh, You know, I'm... I got friends, I'm popular, uh, and then on top of that, I'm a little bit of a hacker, so nobody's going to track me down. And so that was my my inspiration for writing Neon Dreams, or that song. So um, remember whenever Mark and I talked about performing that live, Neon Dreams is already a pretty high song vocally. That's in the key of to A. To begin with. But then I would... Yeah, so whenever we were wanting to swing to parts where we needed a second voice there, Mark looked at me and he just did the, the dolphin noise. He goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. <laughs> yes. And so we had to work it out and uh, go, okay, you take my part, I'll go high, yep. and I'll just back off the mic yep. so that the level difference isn't so obvious. And you can hear it a little bit in the song here. So let's listen to a little bit of Neon Dreams, give you a little taste of that. Uh, and then hey, we'll come on back. You do so that, uh, you here's do that, Neon Dreams. Uh, who's who's, oh, oh, who's playing yep, go ahead. here? Uh, it's you, Mark. Uh, who's who else is playing? I I think you were I, in no, on no, this. But who, who, am yeah, am but I right about that, Mark? Oh, uh, that might be a tough one. I think it may be I Thomas. Actually, I think it's I, Thomas, but I won't swear to it. I just want to take this moment to say that he was our John Bonham. Let's listen to the song.
right, so that was Neon Dreams. Uh, we hope that you guys liked it. I apologize. That is definitely one of the recordings that's uh, more garage-like yep. in quality. That was recorded live in a tiny room. Uh, lots of echo reflection, probably boominess too. But well, in another, you would have had fun with it live. Uh, it was a real fun song. It's still, I, I still play that one when I'm noodling and round and stuff. But one of the neat things about that mm -hmm. that comes to my mind about this song. So a later iteration of a musical group that involved me and Thomas and Craig, there was another guitarist at one point, and he kind of did noodly bits, and uh, he wasn't a very strong member, but he was a nice guy, whatever. But he would kind of solo around on this song, and then one day he kind of latched onto something. I said, play that again. And he played it again. I had him play it three, four, maybe five times, so kind of got into his fingers a little bit what he was doing. I said, play one more time, and then I played the harmony solo to what he was playing. I, I played the harmony part on my guitar, so we ended up being one of the only huh. bands I ever saw in Murfreesboro that had twin guitar solos. You were like the yeah. scorpions well, of and Murfreesboro. He's talking about John. <laughs> he's talking about John, a.k.a. Unibrow. Yeah. <laughs> um he was the guitarist in our in our second band that was that we call Patient Zero. One thing that I loved about that guy, uh, he like learned guitar playing with a wah wah pedal. Yep. And uh, for all of his misgivings in terms of timing and whatnot, which you were way more in tune to that than I ever was, Mark. <laughs> I love the way that he, that that guitar that he played that electric guitar with distortion and the wah. It was it was like a voice. I felt like it was talking, and that was something that was new to us. And I thought it was really really cool. Actually, yeah, if you're interested in any way, shape, or form, he was up most often playing a Gibson Nighthawk. Okay, all right. For whatever that's worth. But so anyway, so that was Neon Dreams. Uh, that gives gives you an idea of kind of where we were going progression wise. But I I feel like I'm a little bit remiss because I really did not touch yet on our namesake. Yep. I'm flipping Hard to case. Now, Hard case. Yes. So the the name of our band, Hard Case. Um, Mark, do you remember how that came about? It. The name of the band. We didn't have a name until this song, as I recall. Uh, no, it's, and well, maybe you're right about that, but. This is confession time here. That name was stolen, and I, I'm the one who stole it. And the the, the significance there is that whenever I was, geez, like sixth or seventh grade, right? <laughs> um, a guy, I was spending I the night at a friend's house. I can't believe I don't know this. I don't either. I don't either. Right. This is great. This is the big reveal. Uh, or one of the big reveals. So, I was I was spending the night at a friend's house out in the sticks. And when I say out in the sticks, I'm talking we were in a single wide trailer. Kind of done that. Yeah. Uh, the guy's name was Chuck Etheridge. I remember that. And so we were there, and he had some uncle that was like a drunk and trouble, may or may have not been involved with biker gangs, kind of thing. Oh, that old chestnut. Yeah. And his uncle showed up that night but his uncle played guitar and he was in a rock band called hard case fuck? and How so just hearing about this, this? guy this is started amazing. this is incredible 
this guy started playing and it was straight up Molly yeah. Hatchet. Like real aggressive yeah. but a little bit swampy, yeah, yeah. like southern hard rock. And that always stuck in my brain. I was just like, man, this is fucking awesome. <laughs> and um and so I always thought, Hard Case, that's a good name for a band. And of course, they never took it anywhere. Because, you know, what shit. Stuff happens to Hayseeds. They get addicted to meth. They go to rehab. They, you know, end up working at Wendy's. Whatever. Son of a bitch. Um, you shut but your whenever face we right started... now. Because oh, <laughs> <laughs> half of this band was made from fresh meat from Wendy's. Shots fired. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Um, Say RBs so, and we'll be good. So when we started talking <laughs> band names... We had a few that got thrown out there. I know one time, Mark, as a joke, he said, yeah, Anal Rodeo. I think that's the winner. Sounds about right. Um, And one that I kept coming back to was Hard Case. Uh, Anal Rodeo. And I don't remember it being like an overwhelming love for the name Hard Case. I think everybody just kind of looked at each other, shrugged their shoulders, and said, yeah, all right. (laughs) And that's what we ended up rolling with. If you you suggested that... If you suggested that before the song came out, I or we wrote the song. Uh, I don't remember that, but I did not know that you were a, a thief, a plagiarist. Plagiarist. Um, yes, but guilty as charged, sir. God, this is kind of a. This had some of that bluesy Aerosmithy vibe to it. I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I still like that. So, uh, hard case. That riff. Yeah, well, it, not not our shining, not my shining jewel in terms of lyrics. This is just a very kind of self-serving, like, "Hey, bitch, sit down, let me tell you about us," oh. kind of thing. Um, but it was fun, and we we opened up all of our shows with this. And look, love it or leave it, I think it was catchy. Yeah, I think the people got into it. Well, can and I, so can uh, I read let's the go ahead and listen to Hard Case. Oh yeah, absolutely. What what's Can that? I read the bridge. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Go read whatever lyrics you want. So in the bridge, this was um, kind of it, kind of built up, and then it, when we got to the bridge, it kind of dropped out. I remember hitting a big power chord, and it just kind of calms for a second. And the lyrics are: Otis beating skins back there. Marcus is the guy with hair. <laughs> Jimmy is a thumping low, telling you just where to go. I'm the one who's in your face, hard case. Man, that's some Kanye West motherfucker. Shakespeare. Yeah, it's this thing. Fucking Shakespeare, <laughs> motherfuckers. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. Oh, God. Oh, God. And you had to imagine me like jumping around like a fucking smurf on cocaine, you know, doing air kicks and shit like yep, that. David Lee Roth. And my. You, Marcus and I were very synced up in terms of the style and the image that we wanted to portray for the band. We had, I remember Marcus took me to buy my black leather jacket from Wilson. Uh, he did the, uh, thing, the same leather thing experts. to me. I felt like it was a rite of passage. Yeah, well, the difference Son is it worked bitch, with me. You shut oh, your um, face. But, I still, you know, 
I still have mine. I don't know if you had oh, yours. Oh, I was about to say, I still have mine. I still have mine. It is downstairs hanging on my oh, mic stand nice. in What's my office. What's wrong with your pentagram and your, oh gosh, man, I, I hate you so much right now. Hey, I travel with my <laughs> pentagram, but no, it, it, James is poking fun of me. I So, you know, I'm not as tall as Mark and James. Um, I'm somewhere between like 5'10 and 5'11, but... I, I had some muscle to me, so I had that. I had the black leather jacket, and usually I would wear no shirt under it because I just thought that, <laughs> no. yeah, this this needs to be out there. And I would have the pentacle on there, which gave kind of the risk. Oh, you know, shit, he's into some, like, black, you know, dark magic kind of shit. And, uh, and we start playing our songs, you know, Hard Case, Bladed Wave, um... It was fun. It was fun. But hey, before I get too far into the the weeds, let's listen to our namesake, uh, which was violently torn from the lives of uh, you know meth addicts in Bryan, Texas. Hard case. Here we go. Okay. Okay, folks, you may have gotten a little bit more than the 30 seconds of that one. Uh, I took advantage of the break to go and uh, throw some ice cubes in my recreational beverage here, so I hope you enjoyed it. Um, so, hard case. Nothing but vanity there, but fun, it was fun. right? Craig, can I, can I hijack for yeah, a second? Absolutely, yep. Yeah, hijack away. I want to... There's a story, but I want to read a bit of a lyric. Um, flipping through because okay. we, we had talked about some of the songs maybe we bring up and the the reason we kind of wanted to do this I think is because in so many of the podcasts there's a reference to this band or our time in this era uh, it was mentioned in all of our books if you go back in the archives um, <clears throat> I want to read a lyric and then I'm going to get back to the chorus don't give it away Craig um, because I want to tell a story about this particular okay. song so I'm going to start here uh, they say you're never alone when you're screaming at stone, looking through glass, a color-soul contrast, but the emptiness still feels your bones. Ironic, I thought, when the church was locked, were they keeping me out or keeping God in? It's getting old, what I'm getting told. Guess the truth hurts now and again. Do you remember that one? Uh, I'm glad. Yes, I'm glad that you brought this up. Actually, this wasn't on our original list, so this is a little bit of a curveball. But but I like yeah, it. Yeah, I do too. Um, I bet James damn. won't know it though. James, that was like the second verse. Do That's you remember good. that at all? I didn't give you the chorus. That's good. No. All right. So no. I, it's the chorus so good, is, though. and the first line of the chorus <laughs> is the name of the song. A little wave to God. Remember us. Eternal soul, ring a bell. Is this already hell? Maybe you just forgot. A little wave to God. Remember us. Eternal soul ring a bell. Is this already hell? Maybe you just forgot. 
And I was really excited about oh. this song when Craig and I kind of had it fleshed out. <clears throat> this was... This... It's interesting. It's, it's so... Uh, man, I was so interrupted with what I... Just, just like proving myself... Uh, and and my my playability and and my art, which I wasn't an artist. I'm not an artist at all. Like I just reproduce other people's stuff. I'm really good at that. But um, bullshit, you created real, plenty with us. Yep. You created plenty. Don't. No, I. I uh, no, I, I I understand that. But there there is um. There is part of me that. Uh, realizes that I didn't understand uh, how good those lyrics really were and how they would affect me later on. If, if I hope that makes sense. Well, you know, thank you losing for that. Yeah, family members and things like that. And, um, <laughs> sorry. All uh, right. Well, and, and even. Going Go ahead. Um, so let me let going, me take the going. wheel for a second, actually, if I can. Um, yeah. This this song came after a transition period. So it, at yes. one point, we're in the band Hard Case, right? And there was a a uh, shifting of the guard. And what I mean by that is that uh, I was too much of a musical dummy to realize it, uh, but Mark and James were um, getting a little bit frustrated with Thomas not keeping time uh, and and being on the same page as everybody. And yeah, me, me being the, the empathic guy that I am, I was trying to stick up for Thomas because I really like, well, A, I really liked him as a person. Sure. And B, I thought his drumming was so just powerful, just, just balls, just like I could feel the heart behind it, right? John fucking Bonham, man. He didn't but, get the the best of time, but man, he he put emotion in every what, hit. And yeah, and, it was and, amazing. And the the breaking point, unfortunately, was it, it got to a point to where if Thomas even came to rehearsal, he wasn't really at rehearsal. Yeah. Uh, because he was too hungover or whatever. And then there were times when he would just miss it altogether. And so at that point, I couldn't really defend him because, hey, you know, he's not really into it. You know, we, we need somebody to, to provide some rhythm there. And so that's when we ended up going with a, a new drummer uh, named Ryan. And uh, James, why don't you tell us a little bit about Ryan? Because I know that he, you know, he, he, w he was already connected with you before he even came into the band, right? Yeah, we we went to uh, we went to high school together. We were in the band together, um, a marching band and all that stuff. And we were in the Rush and yes, and progressive bands and all that stuff. Uh, all we wanted to do was play Rush. Like, I just wanted to recreate that stuff. I could never write that stuff, <laughs> um, but I wanted to. I just all I wanted to do was be in a Rush cover band and there's a ton of them out there there's some really good ones out there too um but it got to a point where um 
we sort of became two bands. Uh, I never really discussed this with you guys, but I, I I think that you have a feel for this. What I'm about to say is that um, it was me and Ryan, and and it was uh, Mark and Craig, and um, sorry, there's yelling outside. I don't know what's going on. Um, so we wanted to go progressive, and you guys wanted to go uh, kind of. Uh, not just Led Zeppelin, but like um, hairband Aerosmith, and yeah. it was like us against you. Um, but we just enjoyed playing music together and, and creating music together so much that we just stayed together. It created um, some interesting combinations, yeah. to be honest with yep. you. Like we wouldn't have been to- hard case without yeah. that that like unspoken conflict musically there. Yeah. Um, because y- yeah, you just so so there were go there ahead. were songs like that that came up like primer that I thought were really interesting. Um, that I thought were that that sort of had a cohesive element to it that everybody kind of came together, and I sort of settled down as a bass player, and Ryan sort of settled down as a drummer. Because what happens is you get into this adolescent phase as a musician and you get like, you're just like way too busy. You're like playing the Tom too much or you're playing the, you know, you're playing the offbeat or whatever. Like sometimes, man, you just sit back in the pocket and that's what hits the, that, that's what makes the song. So that's what Ryan and I really, um, uh, uh, were informed on when we got to uh i think i think primer really was that song that um that made us just sit in the pocket and allow the song to progress and and know that even though we weren't sounding off on every other eighth note it was still serving the the song so and before that's really we, super super important and I, I, you got, you got. Go I ahead. agree with you. Uh, I, before we jump ahead to Primer, because I think that that's going to be a very pivotal point in the band story. Sure. Um, the the song "A Little Wave to God." I, I don't, Mark. I I think that you remember this because I think we've chatted about yeah, it before. We but have. Ryan uh, was a, a pretty religious guy, pretty devout Christian, um, yeah. which is kind of funny because he was a dichotomy like like ryan was a devout christian but at the same time he was he was like a big practical joker and he was the kind of guy that would maintain a complete straight face as he was delivering the joke too which made it even better um and in he terms was so dry man yeah oh he man so dry. just just perfect uh but in terms of <laughs> music style not only aligning with james's yeah. tastes in terms of the more technical uh, type artist, but Ryan was, I mean, you could set a watch by him. He was extremely meticulous, uh, very talented in the same breath. I would say that he didn't quite just listening to him, just the sound of him. And that's not to say that he didn't put it in, you know, in terms of his personality, but the sound of him drumming didn't have the heart and the balls. Uh, that yeah. Thomas would have, yeah. but it would have a lot more flash to it. And so 
the band shifted a bit whenever we brought on Ryan as a drummer. Now, I will say this. I think that it it improved in several ways because there were capabilities that Ryan had that inspired us to do new things musically. But in terms of this song, A Little Wave to God, which we'll listen to here in just a few seconds, um, it, it caused a little bit of conflict because Ryan's interpretation of those lyrics was not a little wave to God. Like, like the way that I wrote this song, a little wave to God, that literally translated to the way that you would wave to a waiter who had forgotten about you kind of thing. Like, Hey, Hey, um, can I get some water over here or something like that? And the way that Ryan interpreted it was more like a middle finger to God. Like, Hey, see ya, go fuck yourself kind of thing. And I remember him actually, I mean, by that time we were practicing, in the basement of our Spring Street house, uh, which later flooded and fucked half the shit that I owned. Oh, God, that was horrible. That was horrible. <laughs> but I remember Ryan having problems with the song and actually not wanting to play it because of his interpretation of what it meant and what it stood for. Wow, yeah, he he would do that. it anyway, but yeah, I remember that being a thing. And I explained it to him. He was like, you know, I don't think I can do this. And I was like, dude, I... He's not saying give the middle finger. He's like, hey, remember us. Can I get some water? Like Craig said. Some, and right. then he he shifted. But it's a to me, it's a pretty powerful lyric. And vocally, Craig gave a lot on this song. I don't know how else to say it, but this was... Oh, thank you. Craig gave a lot when he sang this song. There's a, there's a lot of upper register stuff that's crazy I, I don't know if they, you can actually reproduce that today I don't know I, I can I don't even I know I'm, I'm not even talking it. about where he was singing in range and pitch and all that stuff I'm talking about emotional guts yeah you know I, I remember yeah. looking yeah. at Craig after playing this at the borough or wherever we had played it and Craig would often be dang near out of breath Yeah, there there were certain songs that we had to save till the end of the set because <laughs> my voice was just torched yeah. after that, yeah. But, uh, but that being said, I think we've teased enough. Let's listen to a little bit of A uh, Little Wave to God.
All right, so that was fun. Um, maybe some of the listeners, maybe some of you are kind of catching on to the growth and the changes of our band Hardcase. You know, we're starting to grow pubic hair. We're having strange thoughts about girls. You just, you see us <laughs> getting taller with acne. I don't know. Um, but musically, it was it was starting to develop an identity. Would you guys agree with that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, of course. We had we found we started finding our voice. Now the started finding our voice. Yeah. Now, see, I I really think, and and James already um, danced on this a little bit before. I think that we really found our voice with a song called Primer. Would you guys agree? No question. So, it, Mark, why don't you tell the story of Primer and, and how that came to be a little bit? And, and James, you can help out with that since you were you were kind of the, the driving force behind its creation. All right, so yep. this was... So Craig and I were still writing. I'm, I wish you guys could see the picture of the notebook I have in front of me with the lyrics. It's probably... <laughs> uh, inch inch and a half and thick. we can post it on the website um so there were times where craig's coming over tomorrow or something and i had no new ideas i'm working full time um up at acuff rose uh, we're living in a house now uh out in laverne uh and i just kind of had this thing laverne and it kind of stuck in my head and i kept wanting to kind of play it and I don't know. Would Craig will come by? Maybe he'll have a melody I can find something with. So Craig came over, and you had something, or you had an idea, and it didn't quite gel, and I wasn't finding. So I said, "Well, here's an idea," and I just kind of played this stupid little bouncy riff in D. <laughs> um, it's just, and we kind of we did we we created a song around this riff, and you kind of had a chorus, and I found it, and we kind of put it all together, and. When we went to rehearsal with Ryan and uh, Jimmy on Saturday, I assume Saturday, whatever, the next time we went into rehearsal, um, we... I'm going to pause your story for just a second because there's a little detail that's fun. Um, You guys, I don't know if you remember this, but in our recording industry management classes, especially on the production tech side, which uh, James and myself were on... um, Yeah... Uh, but also on the business side too, like uh, one of the classes, it, it may have been 440. I can't remember which. No, it was one of the business classes. You had to put together essentially a a promotion and PR plan for a band. Publicity. Ryan chose our of- band. Like most most people choose a fictional band. Ryan chose our band for his project. And oh. so as part of that you know that game plan of how you're going to break this huge artist you had to include a an album and a set list i mean really down to the minutia of it now that's at the t- that's yeah that was that was that was 465 and that okay. was um p- p- Pfeiffer. And that was the <laughs> the, <laughs> yep. the, the yeah uh, the professor's name yeah that was 465 that's now, that's at- kind of like your that's that's kind of like your um your your sing song that's 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 the final that's your final essentially okay so that's that's what a yeah okay so 
Ryan chose hard case. Because you put it case. all together. You put right. the, yeah, you put the record. You, you have the concept. You have the producer. You have the names and all that stuff. You have to go to uh, freaking um, uh, the UPS store and have that all uh, like printed <laughs> out and stuff like that, which I did not do, and so I got a B minus. Gosh, I had a great band. Um, that's a story <laughs> for another time, but. <clears throat> I should have gotten an A plus sharp plus plus right. plus on this, but uh, yeah, that's that's all right. So five. don't hijack too much because I'm going somewhere with this. So Ryan okay. chose us, hard case, right? But at the time, we did not have enough songs to meet the minimum class requirement for this this final project. So Ryan, in a fit of creativity. He just decided to make up a song that didn't exist called Primer. And he added it to our existing set list for Hard Case. And so I was thinking, how fun would it be to actually write a song called Primer? And then, you know, just just lay it on Ryan, uh, you know, at the next time that we get together and play. Because he wouldn't expect that at all. And so I wrote... Wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. This song does n- did not exist before he... he- uh, put it in front of his professor. This song was created by Ryan. The by name, name of it by one word. By one word. I took that word and built lyrics on it because I thought it would be funny. And then I took it to you guys, and it changed completely. So, so Mark, why don't you go ahead and take the steering wheel again and, and continue on with your story? Now that I've gone down that little side street. Well, there. I don't because you realize. Guys, that I recorded Primer at 4:40 in Studio C. Yes, we were there. Okay, so what? What's the relevance of that? Because that would would negate 4:65. Sorry for all the the minutia, but that wasn't his. That couldn't have been his 4:65. I promise we you. Same... I promise you that is what happened. Maybe it was a different class. All right. I don't know, but I promise Fair. you that that's why it was made. So, um, someone created lyrics uh, and a groove and music, and I recorded that when I was in 440, and it was probably 4 a.m. in the morning at Studio <laughs> C at MTSU in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, USA, America. <clears throat> And you crushed it, and I, I, we, I know Mark has recording of this. I have recordings of this. That there, there was no way that he did this for his four sixty five. It, it could be Look, that it may he have not been four sixty five. It may have been some other class, but I promise you, I remember this clearly, and I don't remember very many things clearly. I remember that he had a class that required a set list for a band that promotions kind of game plan. And yeah, he that, sh- that, that might've been, that might've been a four forty thing, but it, I, I think it, the, he the, was the, short one song. The, the, like we were, we were missing one song that he needed. So he made up a name primer. I wrote the lyrics as a joke. Mark and I fleshed it out and oh, we brought it to you guys. And you remember you remember the production that I brought to that table, by the way? I'm so proud of this and that's why I'm gonna be a jackass right now. <laughs> um 
<laughs> Do you remember the outro for that song? And and maybe we can actually play the entire original part, and maybe at some point play the re re redo. Re-bu- I tell you uh, what, wait, we're we're gonna play a snippet of it now, and we'll end okay. this show with Primer in, in its entirety. There, um, but because. It's 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 a, it's a you, you remember it's a way different uh, version of it, and the the outro of it is what actually it was my idea, but it was from his his answering uh, machine little voice re- yeah his answering machine exactly absolutely which I thought was a really great uh, production I, I thought it added uh, production value well it was um, authentic because Ryan just recorded this fucked up you know answering machine message and and one of his redneck hillbilly relatives or friends or something like just you know the his response was well i don't i don't know what to say to that i don't know how to respond to that that was it yeah 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 don't don't spoil it too much but all right yeah yeah so (laughs) so anyway primer uh, born of strange circumstances um recorded as jimmy's uh project which he did a great job on uh recording that and one other thing before we give you a snippet of it i remember i remember this clearly and i get frustrated with myself in hindsight over this little detail look i was belting out this song uh as, as james mentioned in the middle of the night uh, Middle Tennessee State University's campus in in their smallest recording studio, which ironically had one of the sweetest sounding uh, mixing boards there, uh, that Neotech, right? And uh, yeah, the Neotech Elite. Yes. Yeah, and this was this was back in the days. People like Mark, me, and James went to school when production and editing in a sound environment involved taking a razor blade and actually cutting like reel-to-reel tape and taping it together. I mean, it was... None of this digital shit was around. So it, it was a different animal than, than what uh, what the world is like today. But I remember it was that... The, the most exciting... It was the most exciting thing because you know that every slice meant something. And it wasn't just going into to a, a computer app or, or a program... And you could just hit Control Z and <laughs> go back. You were you were fucked. I you were literally fucked if you fucked that up. And and, and it was so beautiful. It was mm-hmm. majestic. And and if you could do that well, you were well valued uh, on the uh, uh, <clears throat> in the in the in the city in, in in Nashville. Like, oh, he's the cutter. You know, you, you walk in, and it's like people were like, "Hey, uh, Jesus, uh, I'm I'm the cutter." Yeah, hey, I literally doing, have Craig? audio tape that I am positive has some of my blood on it uh, from projects <laughs> that I did in studio because I I would yes. slice myself. I'm like, oh, it's there, but hey, it still sounds good, so I'm not touching anything. Um, yes, but yes, anyway, exactly, so exactly. This, but, this little but part the towards the end of the song had that isopropyl alcohol uh, near the <laughs> tape machine, anyway, and you just like you hit a Oh my gosh! I wish people. I would think just we lost understand. Marcus. I'm here. Oh, that's too bad. Um, okay, all right. Oh, hey, 
the 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 end part of this he song. Knows, he knows exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, well, he knows. Um, um, but the end part of this song, I don't want to lose people in the minutia. Uh, but there was yeah, there was this killer like drum beat down at the end of the song, and I had been singing. I had been singing. I had been singing, and it was a portion of the song where I was trying to hold a note. And my voice was so torched by that point that I couldn't quite hold it long enough uh, yeah. to last through Ryan's like drumming, epic showdown, crazy apocalyptic. Yeah, And so it wraps up a little bit early, and I remember Ryan was pissed off at that, and he made the comment. He's like, "People are gonna think that my timing is off." And I looked at him. I said, "I'm sorry, dude. I'm not recording anymore. <laughs> I'm done." Nope. And it wasn't because I was a prima donna. It's just I didn't have anything more in the tank. And that was one of the big difference between like, it may maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But like when you're producing, no, when just... your instrument is your body, there yeah. there's a finite time limit on how far you can stress it before it just becomes useless to you. Does that make sense? Yeah, man. Uh... Abs, <laughs> you know what your limits are, man. That's why you come in the next day. But we didn't have a next day. Mm-hmm. We had four hours to do this shit. And then there was O to a midnight sky. Oh my yeah. Gosh. What? Let's. So let's not dive in there. Mark, did you have any funny primer stories before we uh, before we launch into that? No, or ahead. we may have gone too long on it. Yeah. Go ahead. All right. So. Here we go, folks. Uh, sorry for the tease. Here is Primer. Here comes a treatment Go for the blind Cover up your problems Back in your prime Stage of it over Reflections from behind The dancing So that gives you a little taste, and uh, like I said, we'll 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 play that in its entirety uh, later on. But I think that Mark was in the middle of telling us how Primer was written and how we felt about it, and then what it turned into. Mark, can you speak more to that? Yeah, what I was saying before was I didn't I didn't feel real good about it from from what I had contributed. Um, not speaking for you, but for me um but we went into rehearsal and we showed our new little song to uh uh james and ryan 
And it didn't take very long because usually in the writing process, we'd come in with the, the blueprint of the song. I don't remember often, if ever, really going, Ryan, you do this, James, you do that. There might be suggestions and I'll do this kind of deal. But it was really kind of a free-for-all for everybody to add their piece. Ryan and James turned what I thought was a turd that would probably be forgotten into this epic. God, I don't even know how you classify the song. It was It was a hundred percent feces before Ryan and James got a hold of it. No doubt. Turn it into something. James big. must be away for the compliments that we're doling him right now. Well, maybe he won't drop his phone in a bucket of water. Uh, but y- yeah, I I felt the same way because I I felt that your guitar and my vocals were just kind of repetitive, yeah. not really doing anything, right. just revisiting the same landscape over and over again, and and we we're like. I, I remember we questioned even bringing yeah. it to these guys. We had half and an idea. And I still remember the night. Right. I, I still remember the night that we did bring it to them. It was at Acuff Rose. It was up in the uh, picking parlor. Right. Uh, and we had set up in there. And you start playing around with it. And it, you're, you're, you know, the, your guitar is going. Dun, 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 dun. And, I, and I'm going. Here comes the treatment cure for the blind. And then they came in with the drums and bass and just that wanna 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 and it took on a completely yep. completely new life. Absolutely uh, from there. So that was really fun to watch. That was fun that to be was there. Fun to be there for uh, that. For that. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what uh, version you chose to put in that little space there, but no, I mean it was us, you, me, Ryan, okay. you know, and and Mark. So, right. So um, there's an expansion that happens at the first verse because it almost starts with like a. I mean, there's that intro with the, that first verse, that intro. Mm-hmm. so special and it's so integral to that to that song it starts um i think mostly in mono and then it's real thin it just right expands yeah it's it's just like you're you're going into space uh i mean it just it, it just it expands so so fast and so quick um and and beautifully but the thing is, I never listened to the lyrics of. I never listened to listened to the lyrics of our songs, and with this song, this is one what that that sort of uh, galvanized um, my love for uh, for your lyrics. Craig. I was hoping that you I'm would get into the lyrics. Sh- so thank you for that. I'm not, yeah, I'm not blowing, I'm not blowing smoke, man. Um, it, it took me a while to, cause I was so concerned. I mean, I was so concerned about, um, what I was doing and how good I was doing it that I, I just, I was so a part of the rhythm part of, mm-hmm. of the, the music of the songs that I just didn't care about what, what was going on. <laughs> and, and I, fuck I him and what he's saying. Like, yeah. I, I, I'm teasing you I a little was, bit. 
<laughs> I know, I know. I was remiss, and it, it means so much more. And I would have done a lot of different uh, things differently had I known that the lyrics were that important. Um, so um, this is one of my like prouder moments in in our uh, hard case history. Oh man, um, you destroyed I, it! I think that there's some. I, I think there's some really cool moments, not just like with the bass, but I was actually playing along with Tom, and mm-hmm. I was playing along uh, in harmony with uh, with uh, with Mark. Well, no, you were locked in with Ryan a... on this one. Oh well, uh, all right. So fair. Yeah, uh, I was locked in with with the 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 musicality of it all. But I wasn't even listening to the lyrics, and um, I don't think I would have done anything differently. But I'm really proud of what we did and accomplished on this song. I think it's it's musically. I think it's I think it's. I don't use this word capital. I think it's I think it's amazing. <laughs> uh, I, I I've I've been amazed by it, and I've I've shed tears over it because um i just didn't know what we were capable of and and maybe we could have done something more um you know 99 percent of bands that go and do this kind of stuff never make it but then there's those alice in chains um you know bands that uh that that just have this kind of wasn't there a band out of murfreesboro that hit it really big Guys, help me out. Wasn't wasn't there one out of Murfreesboro that hit it really big? They kind of made their own music label. I remember. Uh, it was like mud, mud something. Mud, <sighs> this is gonna drive uh, me crazy. Or but they, they uh, you know, they know. they actually had airplay. They they were they were doing pretty well. I I may have to go back to that on a future show. But the the lyrics were I primer. Have a seed. Go ahead. Yeah, I, I think I have a CD from them. It's like Mud Muffin or something like that. No, that's not I, I it. I, I would recognize it if I heard it. But mm. I remember that my lyrical process was so primer. The lyrics for that, I started thinking about, okay, well, so in this case, the name of the song had already been given to me, so I had to work around that. So I had primer, and I'm like, well, what is primer used for? Well, that's kind of a base coat before you can apply paint, before you can apply your decoration, right? And so yes, I started yes. trying to take that deeper and say, well, what about people? What about the decorations that they have to wear, the bullshit facade that they put on, you know, to fulfill societal norms? And and especially yeah. the folks that get so lost in that whole dance, that orchestration, to where it's they're not even themselves anymore they are the the layers of paint that they've put on to be accepted by society and their friends right and so that's where the idea for the lyrics for primer came out and i thought it came out pretty cool not trying to pat myself on on the back or anything there but you know every dog has their day yeah yeah, the, uh, but the other thing is the cadence of your lyrics work beautifully. Um, that's something that I think it professionals and, and maybe you just like I don't know if you worked on this or you um, just found yourself on this this island, but um, 
artists like Steven Tyler, like they work on cadence, and hmm. that this this song works on cadence so well lyrically. Um, it's 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 just so fun. And and here's the other thing: um, when when they talk uh, tell you about um, and they train you on um, customer service, they they try to train you to talk with a smile. There are mm-hmm. times in this in this uh, this recording where you can tell <laughs> that you're smiling, whether it's with guile or with with uh, uh, with yeah sarcasm like, uh, or yeah know, sarcasm. It's it's truly like it translates so well, and I hope you can hear it in my voice right now because I'm smiling. Right, <laughs> <laughs> it's so so good. It's the best best lyric uh, lyrical uh, song that I've been a, a part of, and I'm I'm super proud to be a part of that that song. It I appreciate so that. Hey, Mark, yeah. I want to get I want to get you heavily involved on this next song, and 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 I'm gonna have to rewind a little bit. I apologize to the listeners because we're not going uh, in chronological order here, but there was another song that I was very proud of that we did. Uh, called Ode to a Midnight Sky. Do you remember that? Our, our tip of the hat to Hootie and the Blowfish. So, t- <laughs> uh, you know, that wasn't what I was no, going for, no. but <laughs> yes. <laughs> no, t- tell 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 me about. I I want to hear because the most interesting part about this podcast, I think, is hearing the different vantage points. Because life experiences can be so rich. I mean, the, the story that we're each living and we're each telling have so many differences. And I want to hear Marcus's vantage point on O2 Midnight Sky. I don't know that I have a very specific vantage. If I remember correctly, you had the lyric. And I kind of put the music around yeah. your lyric. Do you remember that differently? Uh, what? Yeah, no, no, no. I mean, that, well, that's spot on for most of our songs, actually. Okay. Um, and I apologize for our listeners that are hearing Grizz snoring right now, but I will not apologize because this fucking miracle dog <laughs> is doing great after you know just skating uh, death. So, uh, yeah, he's he's doing well, and I, I couldn't be happier. But Good. the Good. the songwriting process for hard case uh usually started like stage one i would pre-write some lyrics marcus would have a musical idea for whatever reason we were pretty good at marrying those two whenever we would meet to try to write a song and i want to paint a picture uh, again especially for those that are not musically inclined because this is kind of fun um Marcus, James, Ryan especially, all very highly musically trained. Craig, not so much. (laughs) And so Marcus would have this idea. I'd have lyrics. I would hear something different in my head going on. And the only way that I had to communicate that to Marcus is I would take my, my big fucking fat finger and start mashing it on the fretboard of his guitar and go, no, 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 I need you to go to this note. And so he, to his credit, he would be able to shift cores 
and you know go to build a bridge around that or or alter the chorus or or what have you so um o to midnight sky was no different i had written lyrics these lyrics this was actually a song that was fairly early on in yes. hard case uh this this was pre neon dreams this was definitely pre pre primer uh and these lyrics i had written about my my travel because I I had been in College Station, Texas at Texas A&M University and uh, some events there kind of prompted me to, you know what, I'm just going to reboot my entire fucking life and I'm going to go to Tennessee and I remember the drive there, I had my 89 Firebird formula, this white the, the hood was as long as Texas uh, with T-tops. And I was making this drive from you know, central Texas all the way up to Tennessee on a whim, basically, on a whim. And these thoughts going through my head of, hey, you know, I, I'm changing everything in my life. I'm getting a fresh start. You know, I'm seeing the even the illuminated street signs, and it feels like they're talking to me. And so that's what prompted the lyrics that I put together for Ode to a Midnight Sky because I was driving through the middle of the night. And that's what I brought to Marcus whenever we wrote this song. Do you, do you remember whenever we wrote this song at all, Mark? Not a lot. I remember kind of building something around the lyric. Um, and where you were mm -hmm. singing was in a... Shoot it. <laughs> I gave you a lot of high keys to sing in. Um but I mean, the, the road and mixed, road and mist mixing with the revving of a fired iron sound, wind screaming by in muffled whispers, as I leave this town, the lights have long since faded, a lone red neon dancing on into the ground, um, and that just kind of had that driving. And I'll say it. I'm sorry. Now I'll I'll say it. Those lyrics are some of the the lyrics that I'm most proud of, of all that I've written. I think they've had, they have a lot of substance compared to some of the others out there. Well, and again, not to especially take a hit from the sheet. Not to get too far ahead, but we kind of build it verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then there was a bit of a, a solo, and then it just kind of the bottom falls out. It just kind of goes back to just the guitar and your voice. Two miles ahead, a new homestead. Mm -hmm. Streets are blazed with gold. Turn in a lane, must be insane. Paved with gold. Yep. For flashing bright and bold. Hungry it seems, the ends is the means. Start the day anew, tired at best, can't really rest, and the past, and past the sign I flew. Into that last chord. So I remember it was very obvious where I should be playing, what I should be playing, and I. The only real recollection I have of this one is it came together very quickly. I. It, it did move quickly, and that, that was all based on such, like, I was literally passing by some, like, construction or, or city, you know, sign that was illuminated that was flashing 4 a.m. whenever I rolled into Murfreesboro for the first time. And just thinking about, this is a new life, I'm, I'm really going from page one here. And, uh, you know, I'm exhausted, but I can't really sleep because I'm starting this new life. It was a it was a really cool um, 
how do I even put this? It was, it's like a phoenix rising from the ashes, really. Yeah. And so that that was the impetus for for that song, and I'm I'm proud of the way it came out. I I know I know that Ode, Ode to a Midnight Sky, while being poetic, is a very simple song, yeah. but I think it really works that way. Well, and I I don't disagree. James, with you. do you have any simple. thoughts on it's it at all? It shouldn't right. be complicated, and I I think it's I think it's beautiful. Um, I, I have, you know, a... I bet you were annoyed with it at the time, though. Like oh, young yeah, James. Because it was... It, <laughs> yeah, yes, of course, because I, I, I wasn't playing lead bass at the point, at, at that point. Um, and I think, James, to knowing what, to what I know you've now, said before, this is definitely a song where you play for what's important for the song. That's the that's the thing, man. It's just like being being a um, a uh, being a. Look, it's. I was uh, trying to put being, whoever be, was listening, whoever takes the time to you, listen, right there in the passenger seat with me. Right. Uh, that's a that's a that's a really good analogy. I mean, if you're the. Um, uh, lawyer for defense attorney or whatever it is, like you're looking for the truth. <laughs> That's the thing, man, is looking for, and it's so ambiguous. If you're looking for the truth of the song and you're always trying to, to get to the truth of the song and playing to that, you know, what's, what's the best thing for, uh, what, what leads the song, um, then that's, that's where you go and if you can you can identify that and you can actually execute it man you've done your job and there's nothing more beautiful than that would you say this is I'll as take that close compliment. to a as we compliment. got oh truly uh I think so that's a good not point. That's a, that's a really great question. I mean, depending on who the drummer was. I mean, it. Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I guess my head is uh, swimming towards. Um, uh, what was the one that we did? Is like, she said as she cried into herself, he just looked back. Um, there there is another yeah, song I that I wrote. About. Oh man, I'm blanking on the name of it. Maybe, maybe just for fun, I'll throw it in here. Um, there was a song that I wrote that I remember that uh, another one of my songwriting habits, uh, you know, or or tools that I would use is I would picture myself in certain situations, and I imagined almost a Romeo Juliet type scenario. Uh, no, I'm gonna rewind that. It, it was absolutely a reflection of it's called, a girlfriend that I had at the time named Angela. It was called So Many Damsels. Oh, do you remember? So Many Damsels, yes. that's it. Um, I had a girlfriend that I was head over heels that I was convinced was the one for not just the period that we were together, but many, many years afterwards. Um, and we never could sync up. It's like when she wanted to be with me, I didn't want to be with her, vice versa. 
And so I tried to put that into a fictional narrative that had a tragic ending. And so that was what drove so many damsels. And so um, that was a pretty powerful one in my mind, too, uh, probably for largely personal reasons, obviously. But that is that's the one that, you know, strikes me as, you know, this is. I don't know. The, the, the term that we were throwing around just triggers kind of love story. So I get, I guess that's what triggered it for me, but I, I should leave that one on the table, but yeah. Um, O2 midnight special song. And, uh, we should probably can we, listen to can it. Can we, a can bit. we, can we, yeah. Can we cue that up? Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So, Hey, we've talked about have, enough. I, I want to tease. I want to tease something before you do that. Okay. Um, one of uh, top, <laughs> I'd say top ten, but it'd probably be like top two <laughs> worst uh, uh, gigs. Oh dear! Experiences. Okay. All right. So top and, two worst gig experiences. We'll we'll go into that after uh, this. Uh, so here yes. here we've got O2 Midnight. <laughs> Lights long since faded The red neon Dancing on the red heart Touched by memory Now in the Seems like it's Not really here Much of it All right, so O2 and Midnight, uh, or Ode, as we often called it. Pretty simple song. Um, Before we go into the worst gig experiences, I want to bring up a little funny story. And I'm wondering if Marcus can predict this. Uh, Mark, what is is a particular quirk that you always had whenever we were playing out live? Can you think of one? Uh, Not off the top of my head. I'm, I'm thinking, I'm scrambling, but I don't remember what. Okay, so uh, I'll I'll tell the listeners, uh, hello Japan, um, about this this funny thing that would help. And uh, you know, although Japan, you've got to start telling your friends about us because the U.S. just recently overtook you in terms of listenership. So I wouldn't encourage. <laughs> Nice. A little trade war, but I might encourage a little trade war. You know, just get, get the word out there. Get the word out. So, at our live shows, there was something that this this is <laughs> an Asian NAFTA we got going on here. We just created a <laughs> trade war. <laughs> bigly, bigly. Uh, no, so Mark and I wrote all these songs. Right, we've we've developed this catalog, but. For whatever reason, Mark didn't have a very good memory for these songs whenever we would play out oh, live. God. Oh, God. So a lot of times, Mark would <laughs> Mark would be, turn to me. It's going to go great. Look, we would have a set list, right? <laughs> Just like any other band, the set list would be taped to the floor by my feet on the stage. Mark is up uh-huh. there with his, with his, you know, nice cabinet going on, his guitars and shit. And, uh, you know, I'm there with my... 
bare chest and black leather jacket and pinnacle. And we would we would start oh, to go into a song and uh Mark right before the song would turn to me and go, How does this one yep. go again? How does this one go again? <laughs> <laughs> And oh, I would, ha- I would, I would have to cover the mic. I'd have to turn to Mark and start humming his guitar part, and then it would click. He'd be, like, "Oh yeah, that one, okay." And then he would start it up. Now I must say, in my own defense, <laughs> and you're not wrong. Defend you're yourself, exactly, sir. You're exactly right. But I was also living in a studio by this time. I was writing with other people in other genres. I was playing a lot of writer rounds. I had hundreds of songs knocked around uh, my brain. This, that fear. We we had lowered on the totem pole. That fear plagues yeah. me to this day. So when I'm playing, <laughs> like, say, if I get asked to play acoustic guitar at the church on a Sunday, I will listen to the songs as many uh-huh. times as I can. And up on the top of the chart, I will make myself notes that probably nobody else will understand. So if I have to kick off a song and I forget how it goes or something like that I've got a quick cheat sheet that I can get the song started or I know what I'm supposed to do on the downbeat kind of deal and it derives from what you huh. just described because I I would look All down right. at our set list and see Ode and I might just completely blank out on how that sound but son of a gun starts sorry <laughs> I will tell you that um, I I I totally understand where you're coming from because we would do uh, Led Zeppelin's What Is oh, and yeah. What Should Never Be, and that starts off with the bass. And, man, I love that song so much. Uh, it just, it's just, it's so not um, um, Murfreesboro. It's so not uh, yeah. that vibe, but... Um, Murfreesboro just, was a very kind I, of alternative I, music town. Oh, tr- would oh, would tr- you guys agree tr- with that? Yeah, yeah, truly, truly, truly. Um, uh, but it, the name uh, of the band it, was it Spoon. Was... The name of the band was Spoon. No, what are you talking about? The name of the band that was based in Murfreesboro that hit it big was Spoon, right? Oh, 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 yeah. I I didn't even know that. Okay, Spoon sucks, by the way. Jesus, great! Now we lost our spoon listeners. Yeah, fuck spoon. Anyway, uh, but there, there, there was actually a really great uh, Rush uh, cover band. I don't know if we talked about this, but man, they they were they rocked. I wanted to be part of that band. Okay, hold on. You brought up a good idea earlier. The worst venues or the or the weirdest little like uh, first gig gig stories there. I want to hand the uh, well, steering wheel to you, James. Squeezers was horrible. Okay, um, why? We were... Why? I like squeezers. <laughs> if you... okay, great. It was full of milfs and a pool, <laughs> one pool table maybe, and a really shitty bar. And um, but they gave us a venue that was awesome. Uh, but there was there was no one there that appreciated what we were doing. So we we actually at that point were playing uh, a good mix of cover songs and originals. I think, if, if memory serves. 
Uh, no, so, it, it was uh, it was more. Look, it was mostly originals. I think we no, had maybe three no. cover songs that we did because we did uh we did Working Man by Rush. Um, we did and... uh, Rage Against the Machine. Fuck you, I won't do yes. what you tell me. Yes. Uh, we did and... uh, Hey Man, Nice Shot. Yep. Okay, that was it. I, I didn't think you were yep. going to remember that. Um, yeah. I'm glad you remember that. Uh, and they did not appreciate it at all. What? No, all. that's not true. That's not true. Look, look. <clears throat> oh, there's guys I spe- playing, playing, uh, they, they were, they were like playing pool and, 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 uh, doing shots and, uh, uh, doing, I, 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 whatever. Look, I, I don't, I don't I'm going to share a story. I, I remember feeling the appreciation. Sorry, I'm going to go share a story that you may not, that you may not be aware of actually. There was oh, one you, night that oh, we played you're the there. the one that got laid, right? Okay, go ahead. No, it was a dude that's involved, so no, I didn't get laid. <laughs> Unlike Thomas at Squeezers. Um, no, it, there was... You wanted after, darts? After we had got done uh, playing the Rage song that we did, the, uh, the Fuck You, I Won't Do What You Tell Me, um, Killing in the Name of, that was the one that we did. I remember a guy who was playing darts who apparently was doing extremely well while we were playing that song came over and he uh, said to me, he goes, yeah. Hey, I'll give you a hundred bucks to play that song again right now. Me being wow. the artist what? that I was, I said, I'm sorry, buddy. We just did that song. We're not doing it again. <laughs> you son of a bitch. And I turned what him down. F- we were probably getting paid 20 bucks in total, all of us, to play at Squeezers. You know, maybe, maybe, a no, Squeezers probably a little bit, but we were getting, we were getting all of the cover or at least a portion of it. Right, Mark? Yes. Yeah, for all 20 people that were in there. Yeah. Right. But we, we had a little crowd that we brought with us. We had, we had Chris. Chris came to every show. Of course, he was doing security for us like we needed security. Um, we had oh, my buddy Brian that. that was showing up to every show. We had the 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 wafy blonde girl that had a crush on me, even though I was tied up long distance with Angela. She was coming out to every show. Found out that she was like kind of a whore groupie for a different band years afterwards, so we ruined her <laughs> for the world. Uh, so yeah, we we had a few people that came out, man. Uh, yeah, shit. Even Thomas. Even when we had Ryan drumming, Thomas would come out to our shows. I don't know if you guys remember yep. that. I do. Yes. Yeah. Hey man, last shot or nice shot. That was. I I I felt so embarrassed about that because I didn't think really? I was really in the groove. But I don't. I, I'm not sure that that's pertinent to this podcast, but. God, there, there's some syncopation thing going on that uh, I don't think that I really kind of inked up on. Like I, I really... remember that we would save that till the end of our sets because the oh, vocals yeah. on oh, that yeah. would destroy my voice to where I would yeah. not be capable of hitting notes after screaming out those those notes. But um, I want to get into the transition and the transition after the death is what I'm getting to here. So, uh, 
Mark, you've been quiet, man. Why don't you tell the audience about how Hard Case kind of fell apart and what we did after it? Well, I don't know exactly what you're referencing, but I know that there was a lot of drama, the Ryan and um, Jimmy versus uh, was getting, at least from my perspective, was getting a little tiresome. I was also getting incredibly busy uh, up on Music Row in the studio working with other writers and artists and all that other stuff. So I know it kind of dissipated a little bit. I think it, I don't know if there was one fell swoop that ended it all. If I don't remember, please enlighten me. Um, I know that then we had, we kind of got back to, I think you and I stayed in contact and we kind of put together uh, a part two, if you will, called Patient Zero. Uh, and we played some of the old Hard Case songs. Yeah. We so continued to write. The shifting point that I remember is uh, now you got to keep in mind, folks, me, James, and Ryan were all sharing a house with another dude there in Murfreesboro. That developed some friction specifically between James and I, for sure. Definitely. And so yeah. that that didn't help matters. And then um, I remember we, had a re- we, we would rehearse in the basement of that house. And we did primer one time and James and Ryan decided to put like a reggae beat to it. Uh, and, that was, uh, that was Ryan. I, 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 I now remember what you're talking about. That was, that was Ryan. I'm not trying to like push, uh, uh, blame on anybody, but he was definitely into reggae at that point. Um, I hated that version, <laughs> and I hated that basement, and yeah. it went to so many other iterations of, of that, that, that group, or whatever that was. Well, and, and um, I remember, I remember Mark and I turning to each other and giving an expression like, what the fuck is this? Can and... you imagine a reggae version of... of, uh, of of that song oh my gosh that's that's insane it just didn't work man and and we didn't and we didn't really work we didn't really work shortly after that because you two seemed kind of on a united front of where you wanted to go marcus and i were on a united front of we can't really go there and then it kind of parted ways. And like I said, uh, James and I were fighting a good bit just over roommate type shit at the time. So, Oh yeah. We, we, an- we, we thought you guys were like Def Leppard and we were Prague all the way. <laughs> and we hated you guys. We, we yeah. hated that, that, that. Oh gosh. It was so bad. So we, we ended up splitting. And uh, from what I remember Marcus telling us, not too long after that, we actually got an invitation to that year's Grammy showcase, right, Mark? It was a, it was a local something. I think it was going at the exit in, or I don't even remember. It was BMI or some kind of organization was having a local Grammy party. Oh, okay. So, I, okay. So, I mean, I, all these, I've, I've always, like, 
that's how I always remembered. I'm like, oh shit, you know, we had a shot at the Grammys kind of thing. And that was before I understood how the Grammys work, how they have like regional competitions, um, you know, that you only get to after local competitions and then you, you know, go further and further up the chain. But that was always the bittersweet part of it is there was that part of me that always wondered, man, what could have been if we could have just been a little bit more evolved and gotten past, you know, personal musical yeah. differences yeah. and found a fucking focus there. Um, yeah. So anyway, uh, so what happened from there is that if if I recall, and James, correct me if I'm wrong, I think that you and Ryan kept playing with some other people. Because I remember, and maybe even a little bit with Mark, but I remember jam sessions that you guys would have and I would be in my room in that Spring Street house with earplugs in and with like white noise cranked all the way up on my PA system in my room just to drown you out. No, um, it was, it was, it was, we brought in um, this other guy who was like, it was like Ryan, but he was on guitar and okay. he was he was he, this guy was insane i mean this guy could just shred but it was it was just sheer masturbation right, right. it's just sheer guitar masturbation um and it was cool but it, it really was just um it Vanity. just ended up being ryan and and me and uh, this guy, um, you know, he was a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted, we ended up wanting, and we had the conversation, <clears throat> whereas, um, you know, saying, like, we wanted someone that actually could wi- write some lyrics. Um, this guy, it, it was just like, yes, without, um, without the lyrics. Aww. It was even though you, even though you guys didn't say it, you wanted me like a flower needed the rain. It's beautiful. Well, no, <laughs> not so much. Uh, no, man, <laughs> we we wanted to recreate Rush. I will not. I won't. I won't deny that. We right. wanted to be a prog rock band, and but we were so young and we were so inexperienced. Um, we didn't want to serve the song. We just wanted to play our asses off and show off. That was that was all we wanted to do. Um, th- just to be honest. So that and, that's what uh, you so, guys. So flat flash in the pan that didn't progress to anything else. No, no, no. Okay. So on the other side of the fence, Marcus and I kept writing. Probably just yep. out of routine as much as anything, right, Mark? I think that and maybe just pure enjoyment. Mark, you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can hear you. Yeah, I was going to say, I think we did out um, of routine and also out so, of pure enjoyment, at least for me. Mm-hmm. But we, we kept writing. By that time, I had <laughs> a very short-lived gig in the music industry as well. And Mark and I decided, man, we sh- we should try to put together. We should try to put together another band. And so the result of that was a group that, again, some somehow I have won the 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 privilege of naming 
both of the bands that we've been in. So the first one was Hard Case. The second one was Patient Zero. And the story behind Patient Zero, that was based on an old episode of a TV series called Sliders uh, about these guys that would slide into parallel universes. And one of them that they had slid into was uh, one where the government had um, infected its own citizens just, you know, on a whim as an experiment kind of thing. But in that particular reality, they had not uh, discovered antibiotics yet. <laughs> and so, um, you know, the, the whole premise of that episode is like the, the protagonist, you know, say, hey, let me teach you about something called penicillin kind of thing. And they, they give them the cure. But Patient Zero was this this very iconic citizen in the resistance against the government that was the very first person that had been intentionally infected by this pathogen by the government and so whenever i was writing the lyrics for that i decided to kind of take it another step be like what are the other things that our government infects us with you know a mindset uh information their particular vantage point on information and so i that's that's where that you know those lyrics that i put together sprung for that but patient zero was a band with myself marcus thomas and the guitarist that we mentioned earlier john aka unibrow uh the uh the wah-wah master <laughs> and man Unibrow. it was yeah that's great uh, it was fun and i i will say this i think marcus and i were hitting our stride in terms of writing good music and thomas and unibrow were how do i put this mark um receptive to that in a way that we were not accustomed to yeah i think that's fair with ryan and james towards the last phases of hard case right yeah i definitely think that's fair um so yeah so we we kind of felt like hey you know the the stuff that we're presenting isn't being shit on uh immediately so that's that's refreshing and here we go. Let's let's see what happens. Now, we practiced a lot, Marcus, but for the life of me, I'm not sure I can remember us actually playing a gig. Can yeah, you? Yeah, we played several. Uh, I think kind of at some of the usual haunts. We did. Okay. I remember playing the Burrow, Squeezers. Okay, so the, the Burrow, yeah. I don't think we played a lot, but we played some because I – yeah, yeah, I remember some. I remember looking over at John, because you and I were kind of still in our usual places on the stage. In fact, that's still where I like to be. Right. Um, well, we we played a bit, and this is where it, my memory gets a little bit foggy, but I think that I was actually kicked out of that band. I don't remember that. I do not remember you being kicked out of Patient okay. Zero, but that that's my recollection. <clears throat> and again... I mean, who you, would you be replaced? Yeah, by? I think it just stopped. Uh, yeah, I. Okay, all right. I thought that you guys got another singer because I, I thought I remember you telling me about another singer. Be like, yeah, he could sing really high, but it just didn't work out, kind of thing. I don't remember that. And uh, I remember feeling like, all right, well, I wasn't that easily replaced, so that's that's at least reassuring. But it was one of those things where uh, we we had a different. Um, 
well, he started out on he, our bass player was a guy named Garrett. He wasn't bad. Garrett was was pretty Garrett. decent, and he went on to have uh, a decent career after we all split up, right, Mark? Uh, I'm not sure. I haven't been in touch with him since. I know Thomas has. Um, I I think I, yeah, I think I'm still. F- friends with either him or his music group on Facebook, the Garrett Harris band. I think he actually has named the band after himself now. Yeah, I think he was a, um, a blues guitarist. And I think he moved on to guitar, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I always got the feeling that Garrett was a little bit bored uh, playing bass for us. Maybe. But we put together some decent songs and it, it which song out of the the Patient Zero songs d- were you the most proud of, Mark? Ode to Midnight. Oh, that was Hard Case. <laughs> Ode to Midnight, Midnight was not a Patient Zero song. I am is I am the Night. Mark, is that Patient Zero or Hard Case? I think that's Hard Case, but I could be wrong. That's what I was trying to say. Is that or like footsteps i am the night was in between okay. so the recording of i am the night and that's that's whenever you and i were pretty much our our little indie artist selves okay i remember we wrote that song somehow we talked james and ryan even though they hated us into coming and playing on it james do you remember that at all yes. over at a cup rose <clears throat> Uh, and so yeah, that I, was. I, I remember going on like like Sunday right. afternoons or, or Sunday afternoons and just like, all right, so uh, it's a G to the C to the D to <laughs> A minor, whatever. All right, what the fuck do I have to do here? And, but now, um, songs like "I Am the Night," um, I truly didn't appreciate at the time. Um, I just wanted to play. And now it's something really amazing. It's it's. I don't know if that's something we're gonna end off uh, end on, um, but "I Am the Night" is one of my favorite songs with you guys, and I'm just so proud. See the darkness well within me Without a doubt, child, you are right I am the black that stares down on you I am indeed the starry night I am the cold black logic You run to every time I am the fear that grips you And the passion felt sublime I am the devil's warm hand you grasp When God ignores your every plight I got your soul like shining armor My qualities uphold the light I am the wrath of fire A burning blaze So that uh, With more <clears throat> Recent memories Um and putting those into context fucking fantastic <laughs> amazing um yeah so you know and 
and another song that we wrote uh kind of in that in that period there and th- this was a little bit after we were able to talk James and Ryan into playing was lipstick and polished leather uh mark does anything stick out in your head about that song i think that was there's two songs that really kind of stick out for this time period in my mind um and it's lipstick and uh, help wanted and those were two songs that you and i just kind of crafted and correct me if my time frame is if i'm missing a little bit in the time frame but um our time lapse I think James and Ryan were doing whatever. Uh, and you and I were still getting together and we were writing. Yeah. But we were just writing for ourselves. Um, so we took time to just kind of craft on mm. our own and develop. This is probably one of the first times I started saying to you, that was perfect, let's do another one. And producing vocals a little bit. Um, <laughs> because that was my daily life in the studio. Um, I knew what I was saying. I think right, you, I right. don't think you argued. There was a point of contention around that. I think you understood as well. Um, nah, nah. And although all. it's what we would call in in our day a work tape, just kind of guitars and vocals. Um, I think it's some of the best recordings mm-hmm. and best takes that we ever captured. Um, great performances, great pitch tones. Um, that's what I was telling James one time. That's what you get when you can. Uh, plug Craig into a studio mic, into a studio compressor, into a digital platform, you can get some powerful stuff. And I mean, the harmonies you were singing and all that other stuff. Uh, my head's getting so big right now. No, I mean, that's, I think you take your voice and you put it on a, on a really good mic and you put it through a really good compressor before it hits the, hits the tape as it's, as it were, hits the DAW in this case. But, um, um, I think we lyrically, vocally, melodically, chordally, I was able to play a few different things because I wasn't worried about leaving space for James to play lead bass on. Um, We just kind (laughs) of did it for ourselves. And I'm really proud of those two. I, to this day, I... I I am too. To this day, I wish that you and me, Mark, had been able to... been able to pray isn't the right word. I wish we had gotten off our asses and just gone and tried some acoustic sets somewhere sure. of these songs. And I realized they wouldn't have been quite as thick because on these recordings that the that the uh, listeners are going to get to hear in just a moment, um, you hear you know me doubled up on harmonies there. But still, I think it would have been something. I do. I, I think it would have been special. Um, but yeah, to that end, let's go ahead and listen to, uh, let's see, y- y- you think we should let him hear Help Wanted or Lipstick first? Uh, uh, help Wanted. Past girl and in her life, there's no window where the hangs a sun. Troubles them to write it out. Message behind thousands of her tears. Help on it. Surely use a hand in here. 
philosophical um, without it's being so too philosophical it's so fun for me to hear this um, and I'll tell you why it, it, it gets back to a point that I made earlier in the show it's like music is uniquely powerful because yeah. it can apply a different meaning to each listener based sure. on their own personal experiences right so help wanted and, and Mark you are absolutely right. We did play out with Patient Zero because I remember an experience after we had played Help Wanted out at a live show where some some woman came up and asked me, is that song about Jesus? Yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> and and I, I looked at her. I said, if you need it to sure. be, yeah, for sure. Uh, and she was happy with that answer. Oh, that's awesome. But the uh, the... The lyrics what originally inspired me to write that song at the time I was really into a, you know a series of books by Robert Monroe that were about out of body experiences, and I had, one had of those books that you sent me yes yep and I I had a couple of powerful experiences at the time kind of using his techniques and so the song was <laughs> along the lines of hey you know I want I want to do this I want to explore these places I I want to have an awareness that's wider than what I have but I need some help you know help help wanted please you know anybody that's out there <laughs> and so yeah. that was that was the source of that lyric but it applied so many different meanings to different people and I thought that was a really cool part of the song there and in terms of musicality I thought that and again you know um not to blow sunshine up my own ass here, but I, I think that it was really well done. And Marcus had an idea on that song. I remember that whenever we were whenever we were writing it, uh, I the was harmonies. doing the the choruses, and he w he would say, you know, how about you do just a, a little kind of melodic ooh, uh, in there, and it really set off the song, Mark. That that made a big difference in it, to be honest with yeah, you. Yeah, that was probably me with the harmonies on the. The, the choruses were great. What What's that, Mark? I said that was probably me in my early stages of producing. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, Help help Wanted, uh, great song. I, again, it, it's just, this was the progression. And you know what's funny is, like, it, it's so cliche, but Mark and I as we were songwriting and growing as musicians and maybe this is a byproduct of not having a bassist and a and a uh, drummer to work with we became softer you know there there weren't a whole lot of like heavy or hard rock songs that were made in the later years of, of Mark and Craig it was more acoustic type stuff and that was okay it ended up being being great but it was it was a different feel for us for now, sure you say that and the only argument i would say is even though it's only acoustic instruments lipstick and polished leather mm -hmm. moves it's got some ass in it it's that's it's true got some drive even though it's just acoustic that's guitar true. and i think that to me was a, a living example of 
you can polish a turd and it's still a turd. And sometimes you can polish a good idea and it turns into, and you can hear it with just an acoustic guitar and a vocal. It doesn't have to be all produced out. Well, so let, let, go ahead. Let's, let's talk about lipstick for a little bit. So tell me about your, your process on the guitar end of that song. It was a weird kind of chromatic progression that I couldn't get away from. Uh, and it just went into this moving little kind of quick step picking uh, dyad. I, I'm getting all musical. I don't mean to get all technical. Excuse me. Um, it was something. <laughs> so so to the non-musical people, I mean. Yeah, to the Craigs. Go to ahead. the Craigs in the group. Um, it just felt. Ouch. You Ouch. said it earlier. I'm just thrown back. Um um, <laughs> to the morons no, no. in the group they're still listening oh. and not talking like oh. me i remember james and i sitting in rehearsals going now if you'll play the two minor here we can walk it up to and craig would be going are we are we going to play it now <laughs> <laughs> but, hey guys it was oh, it was geez. something to we be we still have some bologna sandwiches hey <laughs> hey hey guys i got some it was I picked up some White Castle. To me, it was kind of like primer in a way of, I had something that just kind of climbed into wormhole, worm fingers, whatever you want to call it, kind of progression on the guitar that I didn't think would go anywhere. So in this case, when when I kind of, we Mm -hmm. discuss um, Ryan and uh, Jimmy kind of rescuing primer, in this case, I, I guess I tip my hat to Craig of rescuing lipstick and polished leather. I had an idea, I just didn't think it, I never felt I never felt that it was going nowhere. I I don't remember ever f- listening to lipstick and thinking, well, this is a turd. You know, like like we did with primer. Um, no, not a turd. I just didn't think it was it was very musical. I just didn't think it was a very good bed or foundation for a vocal melody. Okay. That's fair. Um I remember lyrically um, the, the lyrics that I brought in, again, this was, uh, you know, me using that, that tool of imagining myself in a certain scenario. And what, what was kind of weird, AKA different, AKA fun about a lot of the times that I would write up lyrics. A lot of times I would change my own gender in terms of trying to put myself in a situation. So uh, lipstick was an example of that where I tried to put myself in the shoes of you know a girl that was just kind of a wild child that you know her parents loved her but she didn't really listen to them too much and she just wanted to be free and what what would her thoughts be like what would her life be like what kind of decisions and choices uh, directions would she choose and so that's what led to Lipstick and Polished Leather. One thing that I'm really proud of on that particular song is uh, there were harmonies that I put together that were really tight, uh, for, for lack of a better term. I, I, I did some fun stuff in terms of just, I don't know, grabbing onto the melody and just going in, in formation. Yeah, especially at the end of the chorus. And uh, I thought that... Yeah, so I, I thought that that was kind of special. I was pretty proud of that, and it just 
you know, if I made a song that could help people feel the way that I wanted them to feel from either my own point of view or the protagonist that I was imagining in those shoes, then it was mission accomplished for me. And I, I thought that uh, is it is it is that is that important to you? Like this, like there is a story or a scenario where you have like a protagonist yeah, and an antagonist. Yeah, well, I mean, it it doesn't look. It doesn't have to be a story. It can be more yeah. personalized than that. Um, like but I am the I, night. Okay, can you give me an example with I am the night? I, I I'm assuming I can tell you exactly what inspired that. I am the night yeah. was inspired by my pseudo relationship with a girl named Cassandra that I was extremely spitten with and and she made the comment to me she's like you're 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 really dark but I can't stay away from you wow and I was like you're absolutely fucking right and let me tell you why and so I I put together these lyrics you know it's like look I'm flawed I feel this way. I feel that way. You may be able to push me away for a little bit, but you cannot deny that I am going to have Mark, that draw have, towards you. Do you have lyrics for this? Do I? Not in front of me anymore. Yes. I might. I might have those memorized actually. Um, so oh, uh, yeah, throw them out. Throw them out. Uh, you see the darkness well within me. Without a doubt, child, you are right. I am the black hey, that stares slow down, down on slow you. Slow down, slow down, <laughs> slow down, dude. This shit is intense. <laughs> okay, so so hopefully I can remember this a second time because I'm I'm fueled by whiskey right now. But um, I know you see the uh with you see the darkness well within me. Without a doubt, child, you are right. I am the black that stares down on you. I am indeed the starry night. Um. And past that, I'm I'm gonna be a little bit lost, especially in my current state, to remember the lyrics. But you, you get the general feel of it. it it's again, it, swimming back, it goes a little bit towards the sympathy for the devil thing. Like I'm fully aware of all my flaws. Yeah, but yeah. those are gonna be positives to some people, and and it yeah. was me just kind of throwing myself out there. And really, the song, look, the song was good to begin with. But the great thing you is, and Ryan took it to a new You're almost level. having a conversation. It's it's right. It's, th that's what threw me when I finally figured it out was that it was a conversation um, that you're having with another with another being or something, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, that was that was insane to me, um, <laughs> and I just I didn't I didn't know it at the time. I was just playing my. My Getty Lee bass lines. I was just trying to like be cool and blah blah blah. And I am the night turned out to be like one of our best songs ever. Um and lyrically, oh shizzle. Uh just, I appreciate just that. unbelievable. Yeah, man. Dude. <laughs> well, not not to tease the audience too much, but We've talked about lipstick. We should probably play that for them so they can see what we're what we're talking about. Assuming that that they're even still tuned in at this point. Uh, but he, here is lipstick and polished leather. <laughs> Susie stopped thinking, looking at her own for walls. Then she stopped drinking, screamed all her calls. 
So that was Lipstick. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. Uh, we're kind of approaching the end of this show, guys, and we're, we're sorry that we've drug it on a little bit longer uh, than normal, but it, it's something that's near and dear to our hearts. So, um, no, Of course. Of course. Anybody that loves uh, the, the hard case boys, come on. You're going to love this <laughs> podcast. It's going to be great. We, we hope that you've enjoyed, and look, we know that we're not world beaters in terms of music. We're not Prince. We're not, uh, you know, uh, Rush, um, whoever the icons <laughs> are. But we, we are, we are the the tale of those that got close but didn't quite get there. And there are probably hundreds of stories like these of thousands, people that really tens of thousands, <clears throat> thousands. Of, of bands that. That had great stories just like this. You're uh, right. That just You're didn't right. didn't quite make it and, and ended up being waiters or sommeliers or yeah, or uh, you know who yeah knows what <laughs> yeah law enforcement officers yeah um, who knows man <laughs> but the stories is what keeps us compelled to listen to these stories so it, that's that's the cool thing. And we have tons of them. We have tons more, too. So uh, this may be the story of Hard Case. It's hardly the story of Hard Case. It, it's it's the story more. of Hard Case. It's the story of Patient Zero. It's the story of Craig. It's the story of James. It's the story of... Tom and Mark count, and, and... Yeah, and, countless and other folks. Yeah. And Ryan. Tons of yeah, who, to come, who still right? won't talk to us. <laughs> Um, and, and even though we're at we're at two and a half hours, there's no way, there's no way. I don't feel like we've encapsulate. No, not at all. I don't feel like of, we've been of, masturbating of, uh, verbally at any point during this show. <laughs> to be honest with you, <laughs> truly, truly, I, 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 I would ask you, Craig. Oh, Craig, yes. Um, listen, um, listen. I, I would love to listen to. Um, I mean, I know we have our intro and we have our outro. Can we have? Um, uh, can we throw in "I Am the Night" if we haven't already? No, we we already put in. I thought we put in "I Am the Night." Um, All right, so we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna figure this out uh, later on. But um, there there's some really special songs that that I think that you you folks that are listening 
including myself later on, uh, uh, could, could appreciate. Um, hopefully, there's some, there some is more. a story that has to oh, be told. God. There's just so so much more. <laughs> I mean, we didn't even hit the burrow. No, Holy no, no. Yes, but we're going to. And Mark, if you have to cut out now, I get it. Um, but there, <laughs> so there are a lot of like little quirky local venues that hard case was playing out at. One of them is a place called yep. the Borough bar and grill. The Borough is probably in terms of design, the oh, worst place that you could play it. music. Don't spoil in. it too much. Yeah. All right. No, no, no. I, well, I mean, we're going to tell it, so there's no spoiling it. Um, but yeah. the Borough is, is a, is a music venue covered in windows all around, uh, which I understand for, for those that don't handle like audio engineering and stuff, they're not going to understand, but uh, it's horrible. It's horrible in terms of trying to get a decent sound because you've got a lot of reflections and shit going on there. And there's context for this horribleness. Oh, God. Now, the owner of the borough was a guy named Lee. Lee was an icon in Murfreesboro because the borough was an icon in terms of live music there in that little college town. If you wanted to be part of the music scene in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, you had to play out of the borough. Now, Hardcase did not command a marquee slot at the borough. I think we (laughs) played like Tuesday and Thursday nights, maybe, kind of thing. Um, But we did secure a spot. And we would go there and play. Now, one of the <laughs> nights that we went out and played, and this is going to be an, an, illustri- an illustration of um, youth. Now, not necessarily Jimmy, just youth. Um, we go the there. Yurts. We're getting set up. <laughs> Marcus is showing up in probably a hot pink shirt because his ass is colorblind and his wife hadn't dressed him that night. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, James shows up yes. it, with a a bag from Wendy's, the iconic restaurant. That I appar- worked at Wendy's, man. I worked at Wendy's. <laughs> Where the hell am I gonna get the defense food starts already? On a Tuesday, uh, Tuesday afternoon. For four dollars and twenty five cents. Now keep in mind um, the Borough Bar and Grill does sell hamburgers um so james shows up at our venue where we're playing a show that night with a bag full of wendy's sits right down at the fucking bar with his bag of wendy's starts digging in lee the owner bristles comes over to him and says you know i sell that burger here and James turns to him. Do you remember what you said, James? I don't even remember what I said. You said, yeah, but yours costs too much. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that's so the fucking truth, man. And Lee got I, so I was, pissed off. I was off. selling truth, man. Yeah. Oh, God. That was... Uh, you know, I, I, now that I'm telling this story, I wish that Marcus was still on the call so that he could share the bio, the ridiculous bio that I had written for our band. It was just full of bluster and arrogance and and ego, uh, but it was a lot of fun. I, I just... 
I felt I was like the Martin Luther King of the borough <laughs> that day. Because, I, man, I was just like, freedom, man. I have Ungawa. a dream where I could bring... <laughs> Fight the power. Where I'm bringing talent and a... a, a, a uh, and a, a reasonably priced cheeseburgers, yeah. With extra onion. <laughs> and and I know Mark will appreciate the onion oh my uh, s- spot. Man, and... I'm just like, and we can all get along together. And he he wasn't even open. He wasn't even open yet. It was like four <laughs> o'clock in the in the afternoon. They weren't even open till five fucking thirty. You're not correct because we played way later than I that. We set up way later than that. I don't even that. give a fuck. I'm a talent. I'm part of the talent. Oh, I can't bring shit. a burger into your joints. You got to be fucking kidding me. And this is 25 years ago. What are we talking about? And, and you know, Shit, man. I don't know if this was the same night, but another night that we played in the borough, which, oh, you know, God. now that I think about it, it was the f- it was the first gig that we ever played. And it was at the borough, which was surprising because the borough was kind of hard to get into. Uh, but yeah. Ryan was drumming and Ryan was so nervous that he just got shit face drunk. I remember he was he was literally <laughs> drinking pitchers of beer before that oh show, God. and he w- he would be banging on the drums, and he would have a cigarette lit. He would take a drag out of it, then he'd put it behind his ear, and he as he kept doing these, you know, like rush esque oh, oh, drum oh no. licks. Oh no! Oh no! It was crazy. It was crazy. Uh Okay. Ryan is is such a dichotomy because like or a paradox because man he's like one of the most like precision drummers I've ever you know played with right but man if he got nervous it was over <laughs> it was over oh lord so I I mean I, I didn't like try to talk him down or anything like that because I was high on Wendy's <laughs> um, burgers. <laughs> I was high. I was high on. Uh, I was high on beef, man. Yeah, I, mean, it, I, would, I was I just trying to see how many uh, like high kicks I could get in in one show. I, I think I broke a record. I'm oh, not sure yeah. though. David Lee Roth <laughs> may still hold it. And I remember, I f- there was one song where I. I'm I'm blanking on the the lyric. It, maybe if I drink more whiskey, it'll help me out because I switched to water here a little bit ago, which is probably a poor decision uh, or a good decision, yeah, one yeah. of the two. But there was a song where I was like, it was a social commentary on those that have versus those that have not, and and my my exclamation point for this song was like taking out my wallet and throwing it on the the ground of the stage, <laughs> and I just. At the time, it was so ridiculous. I thought I was so powerful in that moment. Okay, so I can tell you what that song was. Oh, tell if me. You want to know? It was "Working Man" by Rush. Did, was it? Did I do yes. that on "Working Man"? Dude, all right, man. I, oh, I, that's I, I funny. I wish I had a video. I, I'm sorry, I don't. <laughs> but it was "Working Man," and you worked that song. You were the working man. Ooh, I you get did, up you seven days and I song. go to work at night. 
Um, yeah, exactly. I had no, fun it was with totally that. Totally like a Led Zeppelin ripoff, but that was Rush. It was the first album they ever did. Do you um, remember? It, do yes. Do you remember us playing on the TV show on the campus station? Yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, barely. Barely. Okay. Yes. All right. I I remember that a little oh, bit too. God. <laughs> But you know what? Who whoever has that video? Um, Mark has it. I think I've got a copy of wait, it on VHS. God knows how I'll ever play son it. Of a B. Yeah. Ooh. Ugh. Okay. Uh, we may owe some people some money. I don't know. <laughs> uh, that's 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 bizarre to me. And there was uh, another instance. I mean, I remember taking like photographs and stuff like that. Oh but I don't yeah, remember, yeah. Like, oh, uh, that's another thing. Oh my god, this is gonna be a four-hour show, but I don't give a fuck. I'm just gonna pour myself another drink. We'll be good. You should pour yourself another drink too. Yeah, I, I've got it right here. Um, look the the photo <laughs> shoot. We gotta talk about the photo shoot. Um, yeah, cause let's do it. it. Marcus and I especially were so focused on image at the time. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, yeah. So oh yeah, the photo shoot. We were doing we were doing that at the uh, the uh, MTSU. Uh, it was uh, on campus. I remember that. Yeah, and it was some relative of Thomas's, right? Uh, it was his uncle, I think. Yeah, and so and he was doing he was doing he was doing uh, um, actual. Um, uh, video like of uh, uh, what do you call it uh, analog. I mean, he was actually doing like oh well, yeah, actual film. Yeah, yeah. Um, film. So yeah, I remember we 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 set this up right, and at the time I yeah. was in a little bit of a awkward stage of my long distance relationship with the aforementioned Angela, uh, being torn between her and the hot little blonde number that used to come to our shows that was into me. Um, oh God. And Oh God. I, I can't, I still kick myself sometimes for turning her down and, you know, no, no, no. I had to be faithful to this girl that lives in Western Canada. Nah, yeah, um, Cause that, well, that's, that's, that's who you are. That's your uh, DNA. Yeah. I, I totally get that. So anyway, so we do this photo shot photo shoot somehow the blonde hot groupie gets involved and she's the muse for the shoot do you remember this no oh yes yes right she's in front of the table so she's in yes. front of the table uh otis's pervo uncle <laughs> convinces her to drop her top even though her back oh, is what? facing the camera right but he needed her bare skin the entire way down and she's cool with it she's like oh yeah for art yeah okay and um the set okay i got i gotta pass the baton here james tell me what your impressions of that that set for that photo shoot were well uh so it was you me and mark which were totally cool with like being in the like the led zeppelin kind of just whatever whatever anything fantastical and yeah then, and yeah and then Ryan was like uh, <laughs> hands in the pocket, shirt and, tucked in, and a little, a little meek smile, kind of. Eh, eh, eh. He d he did and, have some uh, John Lennon girl. sunglasses on. I will I will give that much to him. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't even remember yeah, that. Yeah. I don't remember that. But uh, but Ryan was like hands in the pocket kind of thing, well, if you, and, and if the you, rest of us were like like staring in the camera, like like kind of dangerous double right, seven kind of thing. Yeah, like and, you don't uh, want to date like, me, but you kind had, of do. Yeah. Um, yeah, we barely had like a couple of, of, of a couple of. Uh, Don. Uh, that was the that was the name uh, of we, Thomas's we uncle, couple, wasn't it? Don couple, Goins. Uh, yeah, we we barely played a couple of of uh, things. Uh, no, we we had played we had played of... a, we had played a little bit. It w- it wasn't that early on in Hard Case, but um, the I remember Ryan and I remember the the John Lennon yeah. sunglasses there and and the set. It, I don't know who brought the shit in there, if it was already in that photo studio or what. But to to the listeners that have no idea what the fuck we're talking about, I'm talking like a type O negative, um, like cornucopia of gothic shit going on. There were goblets and tables and and like... The blonde right. muse yeah. is kind of like looking in a mirror back at the camera kind of thing. And we're surrounding her at this, you know, last evil feast kind of uh, situation. <laughs> and yeah, there, there, there were there, yeah, exactly. You say like goblets and, and all that stuff. It was um, we, we had all that stuff. And candle, right, yeah, candles, right, and all stuff. candles, like, half burned. I didn't know what the hell we were doing. I mean, it was it was it was more like throw out what you don't want, uh, <laughs> but you know before you know you, you take the shot, uh, the kind of kind of thing. Uh, we had more stuff than we needed uh, with you know, uh, wine glasses, and it was really kind of weird and whatever. Yeah, but we were just like just happy to be there. Mm-hmm. Like we were Ringo Starr, uh, just just uh, like throwing ourselves. I had my base, I think, at some point. Yeah, um, yeah. There, there were some. Uh, there were some shots of you with the Tobias for sure. Uh, yeah, there the, were some shots of me like yelling stuff. into. I, I don't and, even know. If you look yeah, back I, on my we, Facebook, we if you look back on we my didn't Facebook, know what the fuck we were doing, <laughs> and and you know, you 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 think about um, you know uh, um, uh, bands like uh, uh, Matchbox Twenty back in the day. Um, make a great album. You know, it's mostly like production and and stuff like that. Um, um, were they good at, at um, you know, putting putting you know pretty pictures on uh, Facebook and stuff? No, absolutely not. That's why they have production teams. We didn't have that. There's there was, there was no, nothing. We, like we were that just trying to then. fucking figure it out. I mean, it was no, exactly, no, exactly. So uh, it, it's 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 not so. Um, Look and, and let's we, be honest, we had, James. We had t-shirts. We we had we had a pretend um, website that, that didn't really probably ever exist. No, I don't know. no. I will. I'm going to correct yeah, you on that. Every, I'm going to defend myself and correct you on that. We had one of the first websites ever. Not just a musical artist. We had one of the first websites ever because I was on the cutting edge of that bullshit. I know, um, I know. Which, that's that's why I'm saying this, right? Correct, because it didn't matter because we hadn't by the by the time we had a website, we hadn't even played a a, a, a gig. 
I don't think. I don't think. We we were at the early and stages I'm, I'm, for sure. But I will tell we you were this. On the early like, stages. There was there was a following. Even though you guys didn't realize it, there was a following like around the country, a little bit about around <laughs> you're laughing at me right now. I don't appreciate that. I am. I am. I am. Look, I am. there were people that listened to our shit that never got to see a live show, but they enjoyed our music. And that's important to me. I, I want to throw that recognition out there. This, this was in the early days of me being a 21st century digital boy, you know, to, um, th- this was, I didn't know. I, I no, I, 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 I gen- genuinely didn't know that. Um, I thought that we were throwing the cart in front of the horse. No, no, it, it was out there and it, there was, you, um, there was, it, I've never told you this story actually. So in the uh, sorry, you probably hear uh, one of my dogs, Charlie, drinking his water there on the mic for the listeners. But in the early, early, early days of the internet, okay, there was uh, there were a few celebrity early adopters, right? One of them was Billy Idol. What? And Billy Idol actually visited a chat channel that that I was a moderator on called Hot Tub. Oh, you got to be kidding. And chatted with him and uh it was right after he'd had his motorcycle accident. I was asking him, "Hey, how are you doing? You know, are you recovering and shit like that?" We talked about music, told him about the band that I was in kind of thing. There are oh, filled All right. So so Rodney Dangerfield. So after he had his uh his cardiac event or a stroke or whatever. Yeah. Back in the yes. day, um, yeah. there was a period of time where I would reach out to people who had been influential kind of in my childhood and just let them know okay. how much they meant. And after after that happened to Rodney, I reached out to him. I said, hey, you don't know me from Adam. My name is Craig. This is a little bit of my of my life story. I said, I'm so sorry that you've had this health event, but I wanted to let you know that you've been a very important part of the backdrop of my life as a child of the 80s kind of thing. Whoa. And I I said, you know, one thing that's important to me, and I don't think it'll necessarily be important to you, but, you know, my music is something that I have pursued in my life. And if if for whatever reason you want to listen to it, here's the link. And I gave the link to our very early, early webpage back in the day. Yeah. His wife wrote back from their hospital room. Shut and up. And said, we're listening to, you know, if you could see me now and, and a couple other songs. Right oh then. Oh, my God. Rodney Dangerfield listened to my fucking music, our fucking music, right before he passed on, man. Oh, wow. How cool is that? That these wow. these people that meant so much took the time. And, and yeah, part of that is because I took the time to reach out and say, hey, dude, I give a fuck. You're at the end That's of your beautiful. line. I give a fuck. That's amazing. But it felt fucking amazing. It felt so good to me to have somebody that was that big, you know, to me, you know, him and his wife write back. Of course, he couldn't write back, but she wrote back for him and said, "Hey, we're listening to this. We like this. We are all connected, James. 
we're all connected. I have had the the benefit, uh, no, the privilege of being connected with you more intimately on this journey through life than other folks. But to be honest, all of us, all of us are connected if we're not too fearful to admit it. Yeah. And um, it, it, that was just one of these things where I, I threw it out there and, and I was lucky enough to have him right back. And I, I've got a... You know, I, oh, shit. Charlie's, like, losing his mind because there's no water. Hold on just a second. Yeah, go ahead. Charlie, you're ruining the recording. <laughs> it's proof that, that we are all connected. I mean, even our the, the animals... Okay, that, I'm coming back. I'm coming uh, back. <laughs> that, that we try to I'm protect. coming back. I'm coming. Oh, household dogs. Health, oh, shit. Wrong earbuds. Um, no, I, I was lucky enough to, to throw it out there, and, and it came back something positive. And I, I've had a couple more stories like that, but that was a... Um, look, our... At the end of the day, and may, and maybe I should have thrown this out there earlier uh, in the show, and I can't believe my computer is running out of battery already. That makes no sense whatsoever. So give me just a second while I hook that up. Um, but yeah, I mean, it has. <sighs> I'll tell you another person that I've exposed our music to, unless you're getting bored with these kind of stories. Oh, yeah, I'm totally bored, Craig. <laughs> Let's just end it now. Fucking <laughs> asshole. Um, okay, so there's an old, old song. I, actually, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to preface this. So I was on a flight yeah. coming back from Nice, France, back to New York. Yep. I'm sitting in the back of the plane back there in steerage. And uh, the guy that I'm sitting next to him, uh, sitting next to, big black guy. And uh, and I'm I'm speaking with him and start to strike, strike up a conversation. And turns out he's a musician. His name is Fat Cat Hackett. Now, what? Now, do you remember, do you remember an old, old song called Love Potion Number 9? Done by the Clovers. Of course, yes. He was the original was drummer. Night, yeah. yeah, he was the original drummer in the Clovers. And so he uh, he actually, um, you know, we became quick friends, played some of my music for him, and he got this big smile on his face. He's like, yeah, that's rock and roll, man. And so we stayed in touch over the years. I'm going to be seeing him next week whenever I go back to France, actually. And minute, how, how, how long ago was this? Uh, this was probably, I don't know, three or four years ago, if I had to guess. Okay. And yeah. he and I, you know, make a point to get together anytime that I'm going out to his neck of the woods. In fact, the last time I was out there, uh, I was heading out to Nice, and I I emailed him the dates, and he said, "Hey, um, I've actually got a gig because he's he's established himself as like an in demand soul slash Motown slash R and B artist there in Europe, and I didn't realize he was as big of a deal." as he is until I was just like I was sitting down having lunch with him one day at a patio restaurant 
And this French man stops dead in his tracks as he's walking by. He's like, Fat Cat? Fat Cat Hackett? You, you would think that he had just, like, met Mariah Carey on the street or some shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's, a pre- he's apparently a pretty big deal. But he, um, he said, hey, uh, I'm not going to be a niece whenever you're there, but I got a show in Monaco. Why don't I just pick you up and bring you over to Monaco? Dude. And so Dude. he picks me up. We ride over to Monaco. He's got a show, a, a nice little, you know, um, I, how do I put this? It's like a restaurant slash nightclub, and it's half in and out, and it's right by all these, like, multi-million dollar yachts, you know, parked out on the, the uh, pier there. And he's just playing his music and singing songs that people want to hear. And he called me up for, like, uh I don't know, oh, three shit. or four songs to go sing up there. Uh, so it was fucking awesome, man. It was awesome. And What'd you sing? What'd you sing? What'd you sing? Um, let's see. I think I sang Hold On, I'm Coming by Sam and Dave. Uh, what else did I sing? Grizz, stop it. Sorry, dogs are getting a little bit unruly. <laughs> hey, man, no, no, no. That's 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 part of the miracle podcast. bear. Yeah, um, the miracle bear. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't remember all the songs that I sang, but it was just doesn't 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 even matter. Look, doesn't it was it was those moments, and I I always say that a good yeah, life yeah. is made up of great moments, and it was one of those moments where I'm like, holy shit, I'm out here in one of the the fanciest communities uh in the region with people that man these guys are getting out of control gris no um anyway long story short i got to sing some famous tunes with a a freaking icon and that was so fucking cool and and so I actually, I don't know if you remember this part. I had you take my electric guitar, my little Japanese Fender Strat, into the studio and have Chris Duarte sign that. And then he signed, like, packets of guitar strings, too, which I'm still trying to track down in my fucking boxes now. Um, So I was curious, did you ever... Did you ever say, hey, I'm a musician, too. You want to hear any of my shit? Or did that never come up? No, because I was so reserved because, um, and I've said this on, on previous podcasts, that I I can recreate other people's music. Um, and he had, a, he had a bass player that um, uh, played a seven-string bass. I've got this picture around here somewhere. I masturbate to a nightly. Seven string, co- co- it's like a Cochlean, co- Cochlean, I don't even remember the, the, the name of it, but um, it, it was it was just such a, a, a beautiful experience. And what he did at night, and, and, and he, this was the thing, when I got to record him, when I was the the recordist, mm. I was the engineer. He was he was back, way back in um, in the studio, and um, back by his uh, his 
uh, his uh, amp and his his uh, uh, his his speaker cabinet, and that was important because he had feedback for days, <laughs> and it was just 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 crushing reality. Like it was, it was. I, I I couldn't I I could never recreate what this guy did, and he was back there with his with his uh, um, uh, JCM nine hundred head and this uh, orange head. Uh, hey James, uh, um, let me uh, yeah, interrupt you that? for a second. I'm going to treat the listeners to another random hard case song that we haven't even discussed yet. Uh, I'm going to throw it in here for a bit. I don't know which one yet. It's going to be a little bit of a surprise for everybody uh, while I while I let my dogs okay. out and, you know, take a leak, shit like that. So I'll be right back, uh, and, and we'll continue on. To the republic which it has dissected me.
I was away, I thought of exactly the perfect song to drop into that space. James, you still there? <clears throat> I am here. We I don't think we ever uh, popped in Patient Zero, actually. The the namesake of our second band, uh, San, San James and Ryan, as we tried to recover from the loss of talent. Um, loss of talent. But you were asking about uh, Chris Durate and uh, just just a, a quick and, and brief. I I, I don't know. Uh, uh, rock climb to to the top and the, the bottom of that, but it's if you can picture yourself and you close your eyes and Jimi <laughs> Hendrix is in the under Jeez. other room and he he's in he's in the zone and it's just it's just, it's just destroying he's it he's just yeah. killing it right so and it's going from the bottom <laughs> to the top and for for those guitar players out there know what I'm talking about it's just hitting the hitting the Hitting the valleys and hitting the 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 top of 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 those of those hills, man, he killed it, and that's at midnight, and it's probably raining outside, and it he's just crushing it, and nothing else. Nothing man, else exists. That, that must have been amazing. He's he's uh, you know. Basically, I mean, look, Chris Duarte, Ian Moore, they're both seen as kind of the successors of Stevie Ray Vaughan, right? Who was a hell of a fucking talent. Right. And, oh, Awesome man. talent, I mean, yeah. how can you even, <clears throat> how can you even give a summary of either of those two? And maybe we're geeking out a little bit on music right now, but uh, so soulful so much feeling out of a fucking instrument especially but if you've ever heard yeah. voodoo child and think about being on a a a, a um a recording uh a recording concept where where you're doing you're doing that it's it's kind of like recreating that, and that was that was huge can, for me. Can I ask? Um, it, it 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 spoke it spoke to my soul, and I as as exhausted as I was, right? I didn't give a fuck. It was so good. It was just pure pure being. Can I ask you a question? And and I I want to preface this yeah. by saying. I don't care if we talk about this for the rest of the night, and if the listeners tune out in 30 seconds, that's fine by me, but I, I want to talk about it. Yeah. What did our years as a band mean to you, and what did it do for you? Oh, well, I mean, it it informed the rest of my life. I, I'm I'm not kidding. It it 
be specific though. It, like like try to paint True. the picture for somebody that has no point of reference. Right. So um, there's this idea of teamwork, right? Um, yeah, it sounds kind of cliche, but um, it's all about listening. It's <laughs> I I used to overplay like a motherfucker because I was into prog rock and Rush and Yes and all that stuff, and truly, what it what it what all that prog rock that is progressive was, rock for those not was, catching on to the lingo there. Okay, fair, yes. So, um, I was not listening um, early on, and I was I was listening to myself. I was just trying to overcompensate, uh, uh, overcompensate all the time because I just wanted to be the best and the fastest and all that stuff and not playing to the song. And when I, f- I finally learned to play to the song and play to the lyrics... Um, that's when, um, songs like, um, Ode to Midnight and Primer can't kind of came along. Um, I was probably overplaying a little bit, but gotta tell you, um, that, those, those, those times and, and having you guys writing all the songs meant so much to me because I had to be in the background and just being a support player, and that's important. I I always wanted to be the you know the the superstar. I, I think you were. I think you're more important. The... I think you were more important than you were giving yourself credit for. There, a lot of those songs don't take flight without you, Ryan Thomas, uh, giving them what they needed for those wings. That's a fair statement. I will say though that it's a team effort. I, I I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke again. It 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 had to do with everybody being in sync, and that's why like bands like Toto and Journey and you know all those uh, those guys like do so well. It's because they 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 lead the song. They they um they uh they. They absolutely they 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 speak to the 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 music and they speak to the song, right? So um, and everybody comes together. It's a team effort, and that's something that you learn way late. Um, after you know, you, you get to the 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 the, the, the how the the group the groups that that we've come across and we uh, the the places that we played and the the fraternities nah, and fraternities all that was stuff. not me that you was only to, you, you and mark to... actually no no i understand that but but you have to put in those hours to 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 to, to put in and put in those hours and put in those practice hours i mean that's rehearsal to be honest with you there was there was I, ra- I I sang um, yep. "Beautiful Tonight" by Eric Clapton. It was horrible. <laughs> so I've it heard. It was horrific. <laughs> it was the it was it was the worst night of my oh, life. Shit. But man, we put in those hours and we learned what to do and what not to do. 
So um, you can play other people's songs to, and, and to your point earlier, um, we, we can uh, certainly uh, uh, play other people's songs. We can be a cover band. Um, but the, the hard part is creating your own, uh, your own songs. And that's what is so special about hard case is that we created some stuff that I'm really proud of. And I'd like to think that I, I am, um, man, I, I, I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm pretty cool on, 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 on upcoming music and, and trends and things like that. But good music is good music. And there, there are some in the heart of hard case, there's some really good music and you guys created that. No, we, we, we all created it. And, and that wasn't just me and Mark that we all created that. Fair, but you guys, it, but especially with the, like the lyrics and stuff like that, that I'm just kind of um, initiating myself in, into, um, and we're recreating some of that stuff with uh, soft case or <laughs> case. whatever you want to call it. <laughs> <laughs> There's some really important stuff there um, that I don't think is ever going to go away. Uh, and that I think it will will stick around for for a lifetime, uh, and it it's really important to me. Um, you guys, and I'm just now figuring out that that's really so, important. So to to the listeners so, that yeah. are shit largely unaware of all of this, I mean they're probably a minuscule percentage that even knew that I was in a band, uh, knew that James knew that we were in a band together. Uh, much less that James was trying to smuggle cheeseburgers into the Borough Bar and Grill. Um, but <laughs> James, myself, and Mark, and uh, <laughs> Thomas Ish uh, have been working on re-recording some of our old music. And uh, age be damned, yep. we're actually doing a pretty decent job at it so far. And so... Um, yeah. Again, we're not breaking new ground here right now. We're just there's something this this is going to sound ridiculous, but there's something that becomes very hard about writing meaningful songs when you are further along in your life path. Because everything that you're doing in terms of routine is very mundane. I'm not falling in love with any new women. I, I'm not, you know, committing myself tragically to the newest brunette with glasses uh, around the corner. Uh, right. I, I'm not, you know, telling somebody that I am the darkness that will rule your heart. <laughs> uh, I'm taking care of my four-year-old daughter, right? I'm, uh, I'm working on a 44-year-old camper. Uh, I um globe trotting, which is new to me. That's kind of cool, but like largely the in, ins and outs aren't aren't that interesting to everyday folks. And so yeah, we're revisiting the stuff back when I was a passionate person, still being you know kind of 
uh, forged by the world and my environment around me. And some of it's coming out pretty good. Marx's chops, very solid. Uh, James, as you as you may understand, if you've listened to recent shows, has had kind of a tough tough sledding for a while, but he's he's contributed. And then I, I think that as he gets his feet under him, he'll probably be getting another bass guitar in his hands, and he'll be able to do a little bit more too. Uh, I am not the singer mm. that I once was, but I'm not too far off. I like to think I'm not too far off. So maybe in the future we share some snippets of, of this this new kind of unplugged project and just see what people think. And, and they may think nothing, which is okay too. We're doing it mostly for ourselves. But I want you to pick... Go ahead. I gotta go say... Ahead. Yeah, go ahead. I... Th- there's... We, we have a... We're starting off... Just keep in mind that um, we're recreating a band with a person in three different states in two different no, time zones. A lot of times, more and, different time zones than that. Uh, and sometimes right. international, which is amazing that we're even conceiving that this is a possibility. And uh, I Am The Night is, I think, one of the, the, the best um, candidates for for this. And I, I, I'd really like to uh, consider, uh, and I've, I've talked to you guys about this, um, that that we can do a, a, a complete album. Um, and doing this over the internet with, with this it. technology is insanity. Yeah. Um, it, it may be more like acoustic, and that's fine. Um, I, I've tried to be, you know, a little more um, uh, explorative with uh, doing some, you know, uh, you know, drums and and that kind of thing. And so we'll, we'll figure that out. But we already have two two sides um, that uh, that that are pretty particularly like pretty cool and i am the night is is one of the most promising ones and i i think that this actually could reach um radio wow. and i've already reached out to some radio stations here in chicago um uh to to see if we can get some 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 radio play um it, you know it's like sure college, hey shit uh, kind of stuff better than nothing but 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 how cool is that? How <laughs> Finally cool is that? get airplay. Um and uh, yeah, um and, and I, I hope that uh, before this this uh, uh, this podcast ends that we could maybe get um, either um, I am the night or um, take a hit from the sheep. I don't know. I tell you what, I, we, you know, we had maybe, planned maybe on exiting with Primer, yeah. but I, I'm okay with exiting with uh, with the, the latest remix. Well, maybe not the latest, but one of the, the last remixes of I Am The Night. And we should probably put a bow on this so we don't uh, put anybody to sleep here. But, hey, for everybody that's hung in, yeah. thank you for sharing this part of our lives. Seriously. I, I know that it's... Yeah. Look, I, I know that it's probably not important to everybody. I know it's probably not important to most of the people. 
but it's pretty important to us and it's been pretty formative to who we are as human beings. And I like to think that Aged and Confused focuses on those formative experiences. Like what, what defines you? What, what defines you as a human being? Yeah. What, what's really in your wheelhouse? So, uh, thank you. Thank you for watching the masturbation basically of, of, Hey, James, listen, me, man, Mark, it doesn't matter Thomas. if you're in a band. If if you're, it doesn't matter if you're in a band or if you're in art history, or uh, 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 you're into to acting or whatever. Um, it's all about the story, and we have, I think, a compelling story here. Um, so, uh, thank you for listening, and uh, I hope you, you you appreciate this. This this really is the tip of the iceberg of the music that is yeah. hard case and i know we started kind of maybe kind of started slow but there's a ton more out there and we'd love to have your support so yeah man thank and, you for and listening. i'll tell you what one last cool thing before we go um on the last all guys camping trip that me mark and otis were able to go to <laughs> we resurrected some of these songs and I've got to tell you in terms of the the life experience of getting out a guitar and a cajon and my voice around a fucking campfire and we're just playing these old songs they took on a new life that was really nice. special we're hoping to get James in on the next trip and uh you know what? I've got a video recording of that. I'm okay sharing that. And maybe we put up that on the website. And if not, definitely on the next camping trip, which I hope will be in the fall. Um, James, me, yeah. Marcus, and Tom will put down a full track with all of the four original members of Hard Case on some of our old songs. And we hope that you look forward to that as much as we do. Um because I think it's going to be pretty good. It's going to be fan <laughs> fucking fantastic. Yes, thank you. Thank oh, you. That, thank, thank you, you James. So so, so let's uh, me let's go ahead and instead of the typical wrong sir wrong, let's go ahead and uh fade this out with uh the the our little musical project of I am the night. And shit. Yes. Write us, people. Beautiful. Um, you know, Larry and his yoga pants at gmail.com. You can always <laughs> comment on the website over at wrongsirwrong.com. We appreciate you listening. Uh, we love you, even if we don't know you. And we would like to know you. So write us, comment, something like that. And even if you don't, uh, thank you for being in this soup with us. Thank you very much. Darkness well within me Without a doubt, child, you are right I am the black that stares down on you I am indeed the starry night I am the cold black logic You run to every time I am the fear that grips you 
What you think? 